All right. I can't see the chat. I don't know. They, they're probably talking, talking shit. Yeah, I can't. I they, can't, they, I can't the, chat, the chat is talking bad shit about us, but, you know, we look like a <laughs> two of us are wearing sunglasses at night. We're all indoors. <laughs> I mean, deservedly so. We look like a bunch of we're dickheads. Watching, we're watching. We're wearing sunglasses because our futures are so bright. Oh, yeah. I like it. Sunglasses, like gangway. Yeah. So today is our <laughs> Valentine's Day three blind mice special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and um, the main man pulled his back so he couldn't join us today. And we we just couldn't pull. So that's why we're here today. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. anyway. He so, said he uh, pulled his back uh, working out, lifting. I'm sure he's injured for real because he's not flaky. We were chatting just a couple oh, yeah, of minutes yeah, yeah. ago. Oh. But I'm not sure about the lifting part. I think he might have been doing something else that involved his lower back. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's. I think he's. He said. He said. Um. He was picking up Wilhelm, his his um his kid, and um he kind of just, just broke his back. I mean, he's. He, <laughs> I mean, um, he's 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 pretty big. Uh, he's a pretty big baby, and he's he's always going to grow up to be a Viking, you know, like a a bearded Viking when he's older. So, you know. Good on the main man. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping the, the the best for Adrian. I hope he gets well soon. Um it'll be it'll be good to have him on next time. So we are yeah. sending our, yeah. our our love to you, Adrian, if you're listening. Um, which you're probably not, he's probably in, in bed right now. <laughs> um, okay. So anyway, um and I forgot to mention we have the one and only uh spaghetti rip <laughs> joining us today. Thank you so much. Making the time, sir. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. No, We're not worthy. Good to be here. Um, <laughs> you're you're in Switzerland right now. Yes, Switzerland. Uh, this weekend with there's a, a tournament happening, eight man eight man bracket with eight really strong European players. Uh, Logitech G Cup. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Fergus yeah. and uh, Sefi Black, right? And uh, who are the other? Yeah, Fergus, Asim, Sefi Black, oh. Piper, Kira, Kira. Gunny from France as well, and then there's uh two guys, uh, one from Germany and one from Switzerland as well. The kind of newer players, um, mm. not really the the top of Europe, but you know they have an opportunity to make a name for themselves tomorrow as well. It's going to be really interesting, man. Very, and there's a huge prize pool as well. So also, play for. what's the prize pool? Like six thousand euros. Wow, there's a lot of money. Wow, yeah. Oh wow, look, look. Well, you know, Logitech got the big bucks. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, boy. Good Logitech owns uh, Astro, and Astro, you know, does uh, a lot of work in the FTC and Tekken. You know, they sponsored the Tekken World Tour last year with a hundred thousand. So you know, Logitech doing doing bits, man. Nice. That's that's not bad. That's you know, Logitech yeah. in Japan isn't called Logitech. It's called. Do you know what it's called? Uh, frame. What's it called? I have no idea. Is it awkward? It's really awkward. It's called Logicool. <laughs> Logicool. Logicool. Okay. Logicool. Logicool. They need to change. They need to change their name to Logicool. They need to go. <laughs> it's much cooler. Like something you put on your dick before you jerk off. <laughs> past, past the logical. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But there's a lot of that. I mean, the um, things that have like cool sounding names abroad that have awkward names in Japan. Uh, do you know, you know, of course, what they call the Fast and the Furious films in Japan. Oh, God. It was w- Wild Speed, right? Wild what? speed. Wild speed. 
And the Wild Speed one where they go on the airplane is called uh, Wild Speed Sky Mission. <laughs> Love it. Wild Speed Sky Mission. Yeah. You know, I, I once taught a student whose job it was to change normal English into marketable Japanese English. Right. Right. And, okay. And, and his English was actually pretty damn good. So he knew what he was doing. But there are certain buzzwords that really kind of capture a Japanese audience's attention. Yeah. Like. Uh... So he was an English English translator. Is that what well, you're saying? No, he was he was he was Japanese, and he'd like spent time in California. His English was actually pretty damn good. But his job, he worked mm-hmm. uh, as like a as a marketing consultant, and his yeah. job was to translate normal, regular, everyday, normal English into yeah, yeah. English that sounds poppy and Hawaii and you know interesting yeah. and marketable. But doesn't oh, actually make sense to a normal. Doesn't make speaker. doesn't make a exactly, damn look of sense exactly. exactly. What yeah. you do is you put the word <laughs> in front of everything. Yes, okay. yes. Yeah, so like Articles. they come up with a new the. black coffee. It's called the, the. black and stuff like the that black. all the time. It's super yeah, awkward. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it gives if, it a... If, like if you've ever watched Lost in Translation where he goes, you know, he turns from the right and goes, for relaxing times, make it suntory time. That's like, <laughs> it's exactly like that all the time. Okay. It, yeah, and like, then your life becomes a joke, you know? Yeah, articles. <laughs> they they love articles here. The the adds a like a, a level of kind of like superiority or just kind of just heightened importance. Okay, okay. Yeah. The the boss. Yeah, the black the black coffee. The spag. All right, the spag, the spag indeed. The spag. There you go. <laughs> if I ever if I ever come into Japan, that's my name. The spag. Yeah. The spag. Shit. I, I, I've wanted to ask, where does the name the spag or the spaghetti rip come from? Does it have any relation uh, so, to the other rip? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. It does. It does. It does. Because really, right? his name is from Repal, right? His 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 rip. I mean, um, rip rip. Yeah, I don't know about rip. I think rip yeah. was saying that his name came from um a teacher that wasn't able to say his name properly right. or something like right uh something like that. I don't know, but um, okay. But mine was was simple, right? My um. There was a Tekken Tag 2 location test in uh, California. There was a stream that they did. And at this point, I didn't have a Twitch account. And I needed to make one. And I needed to make a name for it. And mm. I, I couldn't think of a username. So I was like, shit, what do I, what do I, what should I put as a username? And I thought, you know what? I'll make a temporary one, right? Because what happened is during that location test, and you can go into YouTube. It's, on, it's been uploaded. I think Aris might have uploaded it or someone else. But um, what happened is uh, someone in the chat was saying to, to Rip while he was commenting, take the spaghetti out of your pocket. It's like a meme, right? Like the spaghetti when it falls out of your pockets. And he didn't understand what it meant. And he was getting really pissed off. He's like, look, dude, I have no spaghetti in my pockets. What are you talking about? And he got really angry. So I thought, okay, I'm, I'll just I'll, I'll, I'll make a temporary name. I'll change it later. I'll call myself Spaghetti Rip. And then I started talking in the chat. And he's like, fuck, man, now there's people. There's a guy called Spaghetti Rip in the chat. And you know, it's all a bit of fun. And then I didn't change the name. I kept it because I was lazy. But then I won an arcade stick from Aris. And now everyone knows... Like, I remember that. I watched his stream and he did like somebody won the stick. And he was like, please, yeah, yeah. please tell me you live close. And then he said, Spaghetti Rip yeah. UK. Fuck. I remember that stream. That <laughs> was like yeah, around the time I started Tekken. Yeah, that was it, man. So I actually was talking in that same chat about needing an arcade stick. So it was really good timing and it was it was really good luck from my on, on my end. But 
I mean, at that point, I was like, shit, now people have heard my name, Spaghetti Rip. I better not change it because I want to do a stream, my first ever Twitch stream. I want to do it when I get the stick from Aris. And I did that. I got the stick. I did my first ever Twitch stream. And I thought, I just fuck it, man. I'll keep, it. I'll keep the name. I won't change it. And then I thought maybe it's a bit hard for people to say, so I'll just shorten it to Spag. So, you know, that's, that's the story. That's the well, story the, the name. The really funny part of that story is Rip saying, I haven't got any spaghetti in my pockets. Is the spaghetti <laughs> actually bursting from his pockets? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was funny. If you guys, if you guys can, I might, I might try, and, I might tweet it out. But that, that location test was—that's the first time I ever saw uh, Taste Steve's commentator as well. Shit was really funny, man. It was a, it was a yeah. great stream. Yeah, it looks like a great time. It's been a dream of mine ever since I started doing this YouTube stuff to to try commentary someday. It looks like a blast, honestly. Yeah, dude, I, it's good, man. And and you know the, the the advice I give a lot of people ask me like, how do I. What, what, what advice would you give me if you're doing commentary? Honestly, the, the best advice is just to be yourself. Yeah. Uh, and right. I said, I said to someone, this was at this was at Paris when I did. There was a massive event happening there, and there's a guy doing his first time commentary. He's like, "What do I do, man? It's huge. There's like lights everywhere. This the production quality was crazy." He said, "What do I do, man?" I said, "Let's just be yourself. And as long as you can be yourself, you're yeah. going to be a good commentator, in my opinion. That's it. Don't be too tense. You know, that, just be yourself. People like that, That's basically exactly what um, Obama told me when I when I did my first kind of. Or major, but you know, I, I did. I commentated um, a, a dojo event with him talent. in Korea. Uh, no, it, yeah, this was in, in Seoul. In Seoul, yeah, the the talent, yeah, the talent, talent one. Um, and yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought he said Thailand, no, but it, it, and um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was it was a lot of fun. And uh, he basically said exactly that. He said, "Just relax, um, be yourself." This is Marjan Obama, by the way, not not the forty fourth president of the United States, but uh, Marjan <laughs> Obama. I uh, said, you know, just just relax, um, be yourself. And you know, at first, um, I was a bit nervous, but as the event went on, you know, it's kind of have fun and just go with it. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just becomes natural, man. You just talk exactly. about stuff, talk about games, you know. And uh, and Marjan Obama is really good. He's very versatile as well. He's good at yeah, yeah. bringing out the best in the commentators. Commentary Definitely, yeah, good. Definitely, I I couldn't have asked for a, for a better co-commentator. It was it was it was a blast. Mm. It was definitely a blast. Um. And I want to ask, Frame, where does the name Frame Whisperer come from? On the topic of names, right? Because whenever I hear your name, I think of that Robert Redford movie. Um, you know the one? Uh, no. The Horse, the horse Whisperer? The, oh, uh, a great film. <laughs> I know when horses are happy. Uh, is that no. What happened is, um, like, right around that time when that stream happened where a spag got a stick, me and my friends were sort of hanging out at night, fucking around, and we started playing Tekken 5 DR, which was on the PlayStation Store for, I think, the PS3 back then. And everybody, you know, remembers Tekken from back in the day, the, the old days, you know, Tekken 2, 3. So it's like a fun game that everybody remembered. We obviously couldn't play, you know, at all. Um, and then we tried to, like, learn more about the game and get better. But whenever you try and learn, people always talk about frames. And we had no idea what it was. So we would make all these silly jokes about frames, like, yeah, this this character has hella frames and stuff like that, not knowing what we were talking about. And so the joke became that I knew all about the frames. I was the frame whisperer because I could like hear the voice of the game. <laughs> the same way Red, you know, Redford could talk talk to horses. Uh, and you so could that, hear the frames. Yeah, and so that became the joke. Um uh, all, but I like I made it up when I didn't even know how frame data worked. And then what happened is like that that group of friends, we kept playing tech and three of us eventually got pretty good. 
uh, but this is like the tail end of tag two. Uh, and then I moved to Japan uh, the same month that came, uh, the game seven came out for arcade here in Japan. Um, we actually got to be, I think, some of the first people that ever, ever played it because they let us in early in the Namco arcade here in Fukuoka. Yeah, you mentioned um, Yeah, which was really awesome. And then, you know, I really just fell into wanting to learn the game. So when it did come up for console, I tried, you know, making a couple of YouTube videos. And so, so I'm actually pretty new to the game, but that's where the name came from. And um, I had a lot of people like, you know, say it was funny. So I think I might just go, you know, go with this. But yeah. Cool. It's a good name, man. It's, good thank name. you. But, you know, I got, I, got, I got a question, though. I got a question. Where the hell did the name Blasted Salami come from? Yeah, that's a bit of a weird one. That's a bit of an eccentric one. It is yeah. an eccentric one. What's okay. the story about that? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, okay. If rounding off the topic on names. I mean, it, there's... It, to put it simply, it comes um, from this 90s X-Men cartoon. Um, can someone in the chat like send send the link? I'm sure I'm sure you'll know what I'm talking about. But there's there's a bit where Wolverine is is kind of peckish. He's hungry, and he goes into the fridge and he's making a sandwich. And he goes, "Where's that blasted salami?" And then he he uses his <laughs> his filthy claws, which he's he's probably just you know murdered someone with, and he uses it to slice up this salami. And I'm just thinking, this this is this is really bad sanitation wise. Anyway, so he makes this sandwich, and Cyclops comes in, and they and they share the, the salami sandwich. Um, and I just thought, yeah, that, that's 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 hilarious. I'm gonna I'm gonna base I'm gonna create a YouTube channel and 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 base my whole livelihood around that one quote. But there's a bit there's a bit yeah. more to it. There's a bit more to it. Um, and um, it's that from the inception, uh, all the videos on the channel were meant to be like a collaborative effort, like kind of like grinding a sausage together with expertise from here and there and everywhere. So I kind of wanted to have the sausage mm. motif. And finally, and the last reason is, is that conventional advice for naming a brand, because I used to work in marketing, is keep it short and mm -hmm. snappy and cool. And um, I left marketing because I really hated it. So I wanted to have the most uncorporate name possible. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> You know, I yeah. thought it was uh, first time I heard it. I thought it was about you like coming all the time because uh, <laughs> you have a fuck and stuff. Uh, and you know, I've been fucking around writing like rap lyrics as a hobby lately. And I was writing like a song about how uh, I blast my salami, but that was a different meaning. You know? <laughs> yeah, that, 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 I, need to, I need to. I need to hear some of your raps, boy. There's that. I made a, I made a Leroy diss track on YouTube, dude. Sick. I'm gonna watch that. It was a, it was, it's a joke. It's not, I don't, you know, I got into, like, do you listen to hip hop at all? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I got into, like, hip hop music, like, just a couple of years ago, but I really fell into it and really, like, love the culture. So I just, as a joke, wrote a couple of bars, but it's not like I, I feel like I'm a real spitter or anything. But because I actually mm -hmm. sat down and wrote, like, a couple of lines that actually rhymed and sort of worked, it kind of became a pretty good joke. So I was pretty happy with it. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Let me let me let me get the uh the the diss track. Um, I'm someone 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 in the chat. Uh, let me put it. Let me let me just. Hold <laughs> oh man! And I actually had like it was really awkward because a couple of producers actually tried to put beats to it because it was a freestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it just doesn't work because I don't know how to do it proper, you know. But yeah, but it was really cool. Like the response was beautiful. Hold on. I'm just gonna put it. I'm gonna put it in the Discord chat. Uh, so you guys can see it, and I'm gonna put it. Um, 
on the the main screen so the chat can see it. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna press play on this bad boy. Oh my god, you're gonna. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I can't hear it though. Don't embarrass me. I... <laughs> All right. I've gone and OD'd on these hard reads while you spam down three. You fucking travesty. Is it plain? Broken. Mm -hmm. Like the controller I know that you throw. <laughs> when you cheat all the time, but you don't have a soul, so you don't understand how I know where to go when I block all your loaves. Launch you like so. But fuck your hoe and get sushi to go. think you're so dank well, let me be frank skank. Oh, you feel like a prank stealing your rank we got namco to thank they left all the way to the bank now people been asking if Ramus is stan i wasn't but then i saw evo japan watched a deadpan con man with no game plan pick leroy and go yeah and Grand finals for six out of eight. Now people asking why Frame got a hate. Well, bitch, get it straight. Leroy opened up the floodgate on these fucked face cheapskate primates. Now the game is in such a state. I don't get me started on my heart rate. Can hardly get hard enough to. <laughs> I love the ending where you just gotta trail off. I had like I had two I had two more verses, but it got like it got I could not. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I, I started laughing and I had to end it, but yeah, I had more. <laughs> oh, oh shit! Oh shit! Sorry, I didn't even put it in in the, in, the, in the chat, but yeah. Uh, when you have time, check it out. Check it out. Um, Thank you. yeah, yeah. Uh, is that was that all off the cuff? I came up with it ten minutes before I did it. Yeah, that's pretty damn impressive. I mean, I it isn't, but I, I mean, I used to like, I, I really like hip hop, and I used to write a lot of poetry, specifically in English when I was younger, which I thought was fun. So, the, the, you know, the fundamentals were there. But like I said, it's a joke. It's not like I think it's good or anything, but it was a, it was a decent joke. Mm -hmm. Huh. That, that's some talent, man. I'm, I'm, I'm always envious of your linguistic ability you speak better english than i do and it's it's like your second third fourth language <sighs> don't be silly <laughs> no you really do you really it's do. it's not it's not i mean okay whatever let's talk about you spag when did you start tekken yeah <laughs> <laughs> i like how you just just trailed off onto me when did i start tekken <laughs> yeah uh when did i start what define starting tekken though What's the definition? What's 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 the um, like competitively? When did you first think that you wanted to like you know play it and get a little bit better than you know casual at it? Probably at the end of Tekken Six. Okay. End of Tekken Six. Yeah, yeah. I was okay. You know, I need to uh, learn this frame shit and actually like you know because because I can't get past yellows, man. Yellow rank is my is my peak. You know, my gimmicks aren't working anymore. Slippery kicks with Eddie is. Uh, you know, they're getting blocked. So, yeah. you know, I went to a tournament in Tekken 6, got my ass kicked, and I was like, yeah, I need to learn this frame shit that everyone keeps talking about. So, you yeah. know, Tekken Tag 2 came out and, you know, met people online, 
uh, Fergus, one of them, and other people, and you know, just learn the game, learn the theory, man, and then competed in tournaments, got relatively good, and then yeah, man, now we're here in Switzerland with fucking sparkling water, man. Fuck Who's yeah, sparkling T- water, bro. T- Twenty you euros. Water? <laughs> bro, I'm, I'm, I'm okay water with water. Is disgusting, man. I'm, I'm okay with it. I used to hate it. I used to hate it, but now I'm. Kind of like what, whatever with it, you know. It's My, we got a soda stream uh, at our house in Sweden, and I I started because you know people just make water, but I started fucking around making all kinds of things. It turns out it's really funny. So I made like you know uh, <laughs> sparkling milk, sparkling tomato juice. <laughs> oh my god! I made mm. I made sparkling milk and put it in my cereal in the morning. It really wakes you up. It's pretty cool. I saw some guy on Twitter uh, with milk and he put tomato ketchup in it. I mean, yeah. ketchup. And then he just he mixed it and drank it. It's some Tekken guy. Yeah. Did you guys see that tweet? Mm. He probably plays like one of those really fucked up characters though. Like some <laughs> sort of fucking, I don't know, you know, Lily Mane or whatever. I was going to say Lily. Yeah, definitely yeah. a Lily Mane. L- if you're Lily- that shit, you're Lily Mane. Lily Mane's put ketchup in their milk. <laughs> Dude, Lily Mane's put ketchup oh on, God, their, on their everything. I was going to say the girlfriend, but they don't have girlfriends. <laughs> Didn't me say that Lily players are, um, they, they have trouble romantically. I, you know, the, the, the really annoying thing here in Asia is that, you know, there are like stereotypes, but then, especially when it comes to like women, but then Asian women really fit the stereotypes. So they only want to play Elisa, Lily, mm. Oscar, Xiaoyu. Mm. Um, uh, which is annoying. So yeah, all the Lily players I've seen that are even half decent here in Asia have been girls, actually. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I can go with that. There's, there's, like, there's a lot of good Lily players in Korea. Like, um, what's his name? Shine and then Lily Man. Those guys are really good. And they make, they make Lily work as well. There's a lot of people that say Lily needs buffs, she's trash, this and that. Those guys are making top eight, like, consistently. No, yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think she's pretty good. Like, I was thinking about that lately, how there's a lot of solid stuff there. Like, I would love to have her down for three on, like, any of my characters. Like, that, Elisa, are you kidding? That, that Plus is a, frames? Yeah, yeah, plus frame mid, you know, that has a fat hitbox. It, it's a pretty, yeah. you know, when it comes to lockdown, she's actually pretty damn good. And, yeah. um, of course, she has her, her movement. Her sidestep is one of the best in the game, next to next to Zafina, next to Elisa. Uh, and yeah. Kazumi. And that's probably why uh, the Koreans, because when, when I asked me about um, the different playstyles and how you would characterize them, he said that Korean playstyle is very is, uh, very based around the movement, yeah. which means laterally and you know backwards as well, backwards movement. So because of that, because of how important lateral movement is to the Korean playstyle, I think they make Lily work better just based on yeah. the way that they play. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, over over every other kind of people, you know, like Japanese playstyle, Euro- European and uh, yeah, American. So the Koreans will always get like the most out of that character. I agree. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, we were talking a bit about Pakistani Tekken before the stream started. I think because uh, I was watching a lot of these guys, and what I think is there's a lot of Akuma in there, which makes it weird. You know, it's it's hard to define what the playstyle is when they're launching people with down threes. But you know, like Arslan, for example, it seems like their thing is that they just push the limits of how good your reaction speed can be like a human. And that makes the defense like completely impenetrable. So if you play Kazumi, mm-hmm. for example, with him, like you're not going to get through with anything that is remotely seeable. And he's always going to punish any, everything like perfectly on reaction. 
Yeah, uh, so, so I think like so, if, so, if the so, Koreans are good at, at, at uh, movement, I think the Pakistanis seem to specialize on on defense and reaction time. Yeah, the, th- the thing is with um, with Pakistan, Nice kind of said what you said as well. He said that their play style is not a lot of lateral movement, but um, great space control and, and perfect punishment. They say they yeah. punish mm-hmm. everything and perfectly, just like you said. Um, but the reactions and all that, you know, people say, how can you react to that? Can I-? I asked Asim the same thing. Asim, of course, was, uh, and you can ask Arsenal and these guys, I spoke to them about Asim. Asim, who will actually be competing tomorrow in the tournament. He was originally from Pakistan. From Lahore, where's where Arslan and all these guys are from, and he was actually one of the best players. Um, I think he was top two in Pakistan at that time in Tekken Six. Yeah, um, used to beat Arslan and all those guys. Uh, and and I asked him about this because he knows about the scene better than anyone. And I said, look, ask him how the hell does Arslan react to all this shit? And he goes, look, he plays all the time, and that's the only way you can really get that good is that you you're grinding games day after constantly, day, like, constantly, all the time. Yeah, and and that's why that's why we saw Lohai all of a sudden step it up. Uh, mm. last year and just win a fuckload of tournaments because that guy he said that all he does he wakes up he plays second he eats and he goes to sleep and then he just repeats it the next day and you got to keep playing and dedication. the more you play dedication but you're going to be getting yourself used to seeing certain moves you know everyone has like the thing is this is funny this is a funny story so when when Ulsan CBM and Lohai were in London we went out for fish and chips yeah and they love fish and chips by the way people chat shit about English food they loved it bro me, um, who doesn't love fish and chips? Low height. I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, we, we were chilling, and I had on my phone I had a game. It's a, it's a reaction test game, yeah. And and Ulsan uh, did it. And we know Ulsan fucking. He's got crazy reactions in second, right? So he did it. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he did quite a few times. Got his reaction time. CBM did it. Low height did it. And I did it. And I, I won from all of them. I, I managed to just just about beat. I think Ulsan. And so it just goes about, goes to show that we kind of all have similar reaction times raw. Yeah. Right? But mm-hmm. the reason why their reaction in Tekken is better is because they are recognizing the yeah. the um, the move, the animation of the move, yeah, yeah, and yeah. they are training themselves to react to it. Exactly. Right. Like, There's a it, difference between reacting to like sure. a light coming on and the startup animation of a specific move, right? Yeah. This, yeah. Yeah. this is why new players have trouble with Snake Edge because they haven't been exposed to it enough. You know, yeah. it's it's not just reactions because um, I think when it comes to raw reaction, we're at 0.25 milliseconds yeah. generally as human beings. That's around 16, 17 frames. Now, of course, no Tekken player can block a move. That Realistically, is around 20, like if you're fast, 19, 20, I think. I would say the fastest reaction time is 23, 22? 22-ish? Like, Online maybe. Consistently? There, are people, there are people offline who'll see 20, 20 frame moves. I've seen it, but you know. Mm. Um, yeah, Oregi, right, thank you right, for the right. sub. Thank you very much, man. For the sub. Thank you. Um, right. um, yeah, you're right, for sure. Um, yeah, um, it's, 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 not just, it's not just raw reactions. It's, you have to factor in, as you said, recognition time. Because your your perfect pro- example of it, sorry, sorry to cut you off. The perfect example is um, Punko, right? The guy played Tekken, but he doesn't actually play Tekken. So he played these pre-release tournaments. Everybody tried to play solid against him. Of course, he had a broken version of Akuma, which didn't help. But um, he he played against one guy, Evo. I remember, yeah, I, don't, I forgot who it was. This man snake edged the shit out of Punko, and I was like, that's how you play versus someone who doesn't play Tekken. He doesn't exactly. know. He can't react. He, he has no idea what's going on. Just, yeah. just, just do snake head. You ain't gonna block it. So yeah, it's, it's a good example. 
That's interesting, yeah. But I mean, a good example: Dragonov's down too, right? We play all these Dragonovs, and I, I block his down too a lot. But it's obviously not because I'm seeing it; it's because I've been exposed to that move constantly for like five years now. Yeah. Like every time you go online, Dragonov is not as popular now as he used to be. But it used to be like every second match, and 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 it's it, it gets to a point where. You can sort of smell the low, you know. This is yeah, the yeah, situation yeah, yeah. where you know where 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 this is the situation where they do the down two, you know. And then if the yeah. player is good, the opponent is good. That's when they mix it up, you know. And that's when this funny mind game that's really cool starts to happen when he knows that I know, so he's just gonna you know down four two me and you know. I, yeah, I think. In any fighting game, it's not just about raw reactions. There's an element of awareness and a, a being ready for that move. Like, for example, a typical example is anti-airing in, in a 2D fighter. Yeah, it, like you, you can do it based on raw reactions, but a good jump in is one that is timed off kilter so that you don't expect it. And it's a similar deal with lows in Tekken, is that you can occasionally get away with like you know, a 24 frame low, but it's about using it uh, as an off tempo timing. You know, um, yeah. if someone catches on to your timing, it's going to be easy to block. Yeah. Uh, the perfect example, again, for, for that point that you made is when I played against me for the first time, uh, it was online. Or when I was in Korea, I, I, I wanted to experience online second in Korea. And my first opponent was me. Uh, and it was, I was playing Kazumi, he was playing Negan. I'm pretty sure he sniped me, you know, because he plays Negan versus Kazumi. So I think he sniped me, but um, yeah, it was, it was Negan versus Kazumi. And when I would do a jab on block, he would sidestep right but, and, and do a little tiny twitch duck. But, so that, that would beat the down forward one. So if I did jab down forward one or jab jab, it beats both those options to do the sidestep right. But also mm. because of the little twitch duck, he was waiting for the down back four just in case it came. So mm. in that situation, after he's done a side step right, he's, he's thinking in his head, I'm expecting a down back four. I'm looking out for it. So every time I tried to go for a down back four, even if I mixed the timing up, he was ready to block it because he was like, I'm expecting this move after this situation, after a jab on block. So yeah, you're right, man. If you're expecting a low, it's, uh, or if you're expecting something, you, you need to you have enough experience with the game that you know in a situation that this move may come out. So you're in a better position to be ready for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Same, same with throw breaking. Um, you know, uh, like a good king player will use throws w when you don't expect it, especially against a player who can see the hands. Yeah. Um, uh, it's why when you go into training mode and and you, you want to practice kind of like ducking a low, you should use all the recording slots and fill up the rest of them with a bunch of other moves that the character typically does, because yeah, um, like good that's defense. A good point. I never try that. It's a really good point, actually. Not mixing throws with throws, but mixing them with, uh, honestly, like hop kicks and stuff that, you know, if you're trying to duck a throw, he's going to go for the hop kick, catching the duck and stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, good, good defense is not just about raw reaction time. It's about your ability to process a lot of information. Um, and Tekken throws a shit ton of information at you. Um, yeah. And it's about juggling all these balls and, you know, keeping all these plates twirling. Uh, I mean, there's a lot to keep in mind when you're playing against a good player in Tekken. And um, yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway, speaking of 
balls. Uh, let's move on to. <laughs> You want to talk about Leroy nerfs? Yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not? Uh, so I, I, we've we've talked so much about um, we've talked so much about Leroy on 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 this show, and to the point where it's kind of become comedic. But the the, the general gist is is like, um, yeah, he got he got nerfed a shit ton in the recent patch, and deservedly so. Um, yeah. And the real question is is um. Uh, is he a normal character now? Because I've seen all kinds of reactions to this. I've seen people say he's still too strong. I've seen people say they went too far. And actually, the the, the vast majority of people, at least on Twitter, seem to be saying that ah, oh, you know, you did a did a pretty good job, which is actually kind of rare. But um, yeah, what are your what are your guys? Do you mind if on? I start? Yeah, go for it. Because go for it, go for it. some people actually started a drinking game uh, last episode. Uh, every time Frame complains about Leroy, take a shot. So <laughs> congratulations, you're all alcoholics okay. now, people watching. Um, but the, the way I saw it, there were like a couple of things that you just had to change with him. And mm-hmm. uh, the first one was Frame Data and Range on the Orbital. The Frame Data changed in the first preemptive patch. So that was one thing. The second one for me was down 3-2. I didn't want that to be natural on normal hit. Uh, I think it did too much damage. They changed the damage, and I think they kept the other properties. It's still natural. Which, yes, it's still which natural. means that you still go into uh, Hermit with plus 8, I think, for a mix-up, which is still yeah. very unconventional for a fast mm-hmm. low poke. But they did mm-hmm. touch the damage. Uh, another thing was pushback on 4-2-2. I think that changed. And then uh, frame data uh, and homing properties on Ford Ford three that changed. Yeah, yep. uh, well, it doesn't uh, home anymore, and it's now it's gone from yeah. plus two to minus one on block. Yeah, which is great because I haven't tried the homing properties out in practice mode yet. But I, what I want to know is if you can really start like walking and stepping him on the approach now, and he becomes vulnerable and linear on the approach. Uh, because then all of a sudden you have this you know game plan and you can strategize against him, which I think would be very good. I mean, both me and Spag play Katarina, so we know what it's like to be very linear on the approach, even if you have good moves, like Tukente, like 4-4-3. The fact that you need to keep that in mind and you don't have good homing moves, you know. Leroy mm-hmm. does have good homing moves, but you know. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, what else? I mean, frame data on uh, the 1-1 string, yeah. that changed. Uh, so, a couple of the really key points they hit for me, but they left some stuff in that I think is... Uh, Enough that he has like standout strong stuff as a character. The fact that he still has you know mix up off of a low poke like down three two, mm. um, and uh, and yeah, so I think he's a high tier character, but he's at a point where I'm uh, I'm happy with him now. Yeah, yeah, I I pretty much agree with. I'm I'm pretty happy with what what they did. He's still a strong character for sure. He's just been normalized. I mean, it's hard to say whether he's top five or top ten. At this point, it's far too early. But he's certainly yeah. still a very strong and capable character. Um, yeah. I mean, just trying to look at the broad strengths and weaknesses. I mean, what kind of archetype is he now? I mean, he he clearly still has a very strong poking game. His down forward one is still minus one, and it still has extensions. Down forward, uh, you know, one one down forward one four, which is a natural mid mid, which is, again very unconventional. Um, so his poking game is extremely strong, and his down forward one has an excellent hitbox as well. Um, his mix, yeah. So, yeah. so were we going to say something? He's boring now. Overall, now he's just kind of like you know, what if Leo was a black thing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know, like it's something that we were talking about with 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 Dino uh, 
before the podcast actually or on the last wave actually he was saying that if they released Feng like today what would people make of him people might have a similar reaction to to Leroy because again Feng is a type of character who he's like a Swiss army knife he has a tool for every situation you know if you look at his downfall one it's, it's zero on block albeit it's a bit slower you know it's um and you know you, you need to kind of yeah Feng has a, like you know below average combo game though and yeah. You know, the down back three, the really good low is like launch punishable. So he has like distinct weaknesses in there as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then his Oki is kind of insane and his back turn is really good. So I think Feng is a character that has, you know, stand up strong stuff, but he has a lot of weaknesses too. I think that's reflected in his usage statistics. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, so the thing is I, I feel like I feel like Feng, um specifically as a character, the reason where the way where he struggles is that he um has, he struggles to get in. Not struggles to get in, but he's he, he struggles when people are backdashing and staying away from him. Yeah. Uh, because he's then forced to use his snake dash and, and you know, can maybe sometimes commit to a QCF one or something. He's really strong in close. And I felt yeah. like that's the reason why Feng was the best matchup versus Leroy, because he had the back tempo. Um, and he had his backswing blow, which actually beat a lot of options even after down three two on hit. So yeah. there's a, a lot of a, a lot of I, I played that matchup quite a bit, and I felt like yo Feng can really give Leroy some, some trouble. Um, but I, I don't think the reason why people wouldn't have the same reaction um, to Feng as Leroy is because you know Leroy just had so many abusable moves, and I feel right, like that's right, the right. main issue. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not the frame about, data was whack. About, like, the frame data was whack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The frame. Well, Frame data was back, but everything, it was like back one plus two. You, you can whiff it, and no one can whiff punish you for it. But look at the, it's all about risk reward. The risk reward yeah. was so skewed with Leroy. That's yeah. why it was bad, because he could do anything he wanted, and he was in a, he was still in an advantageous position. You know yes. what I mean? And your options to, to defend against it were basically non existent because he had moves for every situation. Yes, well, you, like for example, you could use your orbital to set up your orbital. You could do the orbital <laughs> twice, and it yeah. actually set itself up quite well and stuff like that. I mean, this word "broken" is kind of silly because it get, it gets thrown around so much. But I think if you look at like intricate Tekken systems and the relationship between lows and mids, and and you know that gives uh, that sort of you know connects to the concept of mix-ups. If you can disregard that completely by doing a safe mid launcher into the same safe mid launcher then i think broken starts to become close to an appropriate word to use because the the game is still functioning but the sort of you know intricate intricacies of tech and stop working and start breaking down when that happens you know yeah and and you know, having that having down back one as a high crush that got changed as well of course not high crush anymore um but it was a mid poke you know usually if you want to high crush your opponent you're going to use a low um, yeah. There are not a lot of mids that are gonna that are gonna high crush a true high crush, right? And if you think yeah. about it, like Lucky Chloe has her hop kick, which high crushes, but it is much punishable. So now Leroy has a down back one, which yeah. goes under your your high, but it also so it means it will it will beat magic fours as well. So if you try yeah. to beat his pressure by using a magic four, that down back one will go under it, and then the mid was safe. Which yeah, yeah. if you think about it, let's let's give an example of Katarina. Katarina has down four two four and down four two two. The mid is unsafe. But the high is is um, punishable. Obviously, can mm. be duck, right? duckable. But, yeah, yeah, it's punishable. Yeah. It's duckable. Yeah, but it's plus. Yeah. So you know that that's a very um, conventional sort of yeah. system that we have in second, where you know the mid is punishable, the high isn't uh, on block. But 
Leroy had the mid that was safe. So you could yeah. just literally, like, and I remember Lohai tweeting out that he just he won a round at second god prime just using Damak one, one plus two. Just, just threw, it, threw it out for no reason. The parry yeah. also, his parry was super, um, had great recovery, oh, yeah. was really abusable. Back one plus two, as we saw in Evo Japan, one, one, one plus two. So many of his moves were abusable. Even like forward, forward, two, two. If the first hit whiff and the second one got blocked, the pushback was so crazy that most characters couldn't punish it. There was yeah. so much about him. And then even that forward, forward, three. So if you try to play that mid-range, long-range game, stay away from him and sidewalk to try and beat the forward, forward, two, two, for example, forward, forward, three hit you. So yeah. now it doesn't. So now you can actually play the mid-range a lot yeah, easier. Yeah, step him on the approach. Yeah, I mean, I, you, I mean, you said yeah. Spag early that you started playing a lot of Zafina. I block, you know, I predict the forward, forward, two, two is going to come specifically. I block it. I know it's minus 13, right? Yeah. And if you're playing Savina, that means that you punch with down forward one four. And I do that and it just whiffs because of the pushback. And the funny thing is, because the Leroy players is like, I might as well do an orbital because it's always a good idea because it's so good. That means that my I predict what my opponent's gonna do perfectly. I do the appropriate thing and I get launched because he's just like, you know, push back in, in orbitals, you know? Yeah. So, and that's when I was, this is stupid, you know? That's when I feel like I'm turning off the game. It, yeah, it's all about the abusable nature of the character. Now it's changed. So if we talk about these little situations that you'd see from yeah. the scrubby Leroy's online, right? Now the orbital is minus eight. He can't really sidestep after it or do yeah. anything. Like, um, so that, that's number one. It's still yeah. 21 frames. It's still quick, right? So it's a good orbital. It's a really good orbital, actually. It's kind of like um, Brian's now. Brian's is still a good move. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good move. It's quick as well. It, but, you know, and then you, now you got back on plus two as well, which is not, you can't abuse that anymore. Minus that is, that is the single biggest change, I think. Recovery. Yeah, that's yeah, the single biggest change. change. Because that move alone was like the MVP in EVO Japan. Like, players were just rinsing yeah. that. Like, over, and it was so obnoxious. You just couldn't do anything. Like, I mean, you, you couldn't whiff yeah. punish it. Um, at like a 12 frame mid counter hit. And the, you know, since it's a counter hit, you have to think about how it's going to um, interact with the extended hitbox of another move, right? So, you know, people mm. said it has short range, but you don't, you, sh you don't look at a counter hit move like that. You have to look at the whiff recovery, which is the most important thing for a, for a counter hit move. And it was just absurd. So I think that is the single biggest change that he got. Um, is, is back one plus two. And when you combine that nerf, that got like 10 frames extra whiff recovery, that's you know, that's pretty sizable. Um when you mm. when you when you combine that with the um reduced hitbox on up forward four, I think a, a legit weakness now for Leroy is keep out. Because yeah. if you're if you're trying to rush him down, what does he have as like a a, a quick um safe move with low whiff recovery that he can just throw out. He'll he'll start doing one ones, but then they also made it so that the different extensions so that can be punished now. So if you can predict that as the opponent, hit the brakes, you get a punish in. So uh yeah. I don't I know. Mean, I think I yeah, think he's, I this is gonna be the approach. Yeah. Yeah, he's I mean, got, his down forward one is still one of the best in the game. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, so yeah. you can still throw that out. His back four, back four, back four. Yeah. Yeah. yeah back four is amazing. Got good, great range. But I it's think not... he's going to be weak on the approach now, which is funny because that was his like strongest thing. But I yeah. think if you, yeah. I mean, good Leroy players are still going to do great with him because all they need is low pokes down for one, a mid launcher, you know, stuff like that. But if you're playing against these guys online, now what you do is you space them out, 
and then you start moving sideways. And they can do the forward forward three. You can walk that now. They can do forward forward uh, two two. You can walk that now, um, and they can get to tr- you know get into range and do a homing move like back four. But that's slow. So you're gonna catch you're gonna catch them uh, moving horizontally, and you're gonna launch them. And I think just the fact that you get that breathing room now, you can like if the Leroy player is not at your level, you can find that space now, and you can you know go through them, which feels great. So uh, I yeah. think that's good. But the good yeah. guys are still going to yeah. fuck you up because they're good players. Um, I, you know, just it's just a, one thing I really wanted to make clear about back one plus two is that it's still a really good move. Yeah, it's just, it's just not stupid anymore. You know, I think it's easy to look at patch notes and think, oh well, you know, it, it got X amount of nerfs. It must be a shit move now. Whatever. It's very easy to fall into hyperbole. But no, all of his moves, all the moves that even the ones that they nerfed are still excellent, excellent moves. Um, having a 12 frame mid is very rare in Tekken and to have yeah. it counter hit launch, hit. you know, exactly. if, a good example of when you can use that is like um, after what, uh, some of Anna's strings that puts her into stance uh, a 12 frame mid actually is a is sort of a, a option selecting at every follow up uh, after, certain, after certain strings that she does so like having that in that matchup is really good having it against the bears you know, if, if he does running tackle on block at a certain range It'll be, the, a 12 frame middle beat most options apart from one, which doesn't really do much damage. So, like, there's, there's a lot of situations where having a 12 frame mid like that is going to be really good. And most oh, yeah. people, like oh, yeah. Feng's back four, Carrier's back three, um, you know, people and people have 12 frame mids, but they don't count a hit launch. So, it's mm. still fucking good. It's still yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, the yeah, second yeah. best 12 frame mid that I can think of, and I'm probably forgetting something, but it's probably back three from Katarina, which they gave Kanrit knockdown properties in season three, which is weird. They also gave it like a damage buff. I think it does like 17 now, which is kind of high. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. fast. But I, that is I, like stand out powerful. I think it's honestly like one of the few things she has now, now that she's crap that stands out about her as being cool. But she gets the butt flop uh, knockdown on counter hit now. I, I, I think yeah, aside... it, doesn't, it doesn't give anything guaranteed though. It doesn't give anything no, no, obviously not. Thought, no. What, so it's not a, it's not a launcher yeah. uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But because that is like the second most powerful twelve frame that I could think of over the top of my head, yeah. sort of puts into perspective how good Leroy's move still is. Um, I, yeah, I think sure. the the second best twelve frame is probably Feng's back four. Um, it's just, it's a great really, really fish hook. Yeah, yeah, fish hook. Yeah. It's just it's mm. a, it's such a great kind of lockdown tool like it's just you know it, it tracks it's mids it's it, it you know he's kind of in a in a negative situation afterwards as he should be but it's just kind of like yeah. you stay put now you know yeah 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 i mean i'm um, jelly beans i play eliza and my you know i've got down for one and it's got like shit frame data and a weird hitbox yeah. um yeah. i've got the actually i do have what am i talking i have a tw- i have a fish hook too can, can fish hook be stepped actually i always is, is it not a tracking move uh, on are you talking about Eliza or Feng? No, 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 Feng, Feng. Okay, I don't know. Feng's back four has really good tracking to both yeah. sides. It can, yeah, yeah, it's not homing, but it's essentially like, it's kind of like Dragonov's down two in a way, in yeah. that it, it's not homing, but you know you try stepping it, it's gonna it's gonna hit you, right? So it's it's got great track. It's it's a really good move for his track because down forward, if Feng's down forward one can be stepped both ways as well. It has his his down forward is fourteen frame. It doesn't have any yeah. tracking, so you kind of have to use back four when you want to keep someone from some from sidestepping you. It's okay. really good. Okay. 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 Um, I mean, j- just just to kind of look at the kind of like, like a summary change for Leroy. I think what they did is they they his keep out is a lot weaker back one plus two and up forward four. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, 
So that, that forces him to be more proactive and it forces him to be more aggressive. He can't just stand at kind of mid-range and just throw back one plus two out all day. Um, but at the same time, they've made his approach weaker as well with the forward forward three nerf. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, overall his 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 kind of abusive game plan is 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 considerably weaker. When you look at the changes, not just individually, but in, in tandem with one another. Um, so I think a, a weakness for the character is, is keep out, but and but I think close range, he's still kind of like a monster. He still has that parry. He still has the down forward right one. He still has one one. His uh, uh, his falling leaf. I think what Leo players are going to do now is they're going to try and get in close and they're going to mix mids with uh, hell sweep falling leaf, oh. whatever you want to call it. Because that move is still uh, bananas, but it's high risk. You can get launch punish for getting it blocked. So people are going to yeah. attempt to mix that with orbital or you know yeah. faster mids. Um, so but yeah. at least there's an element of you needing to think now. You need to think, and that's exactly. why I don't really mind the down three two. I know I know it's plus eight, and you do get a mix up on hermit. But at the end of the day, it's still a commitment. If you do duck the down three, yes. um, yeah. the down three, you can stay duck and you can launch him. It's, so mm. down three two is launch punishable as well as his, as his yeah um, down back three. Yeah. But yeah, of, but when you think about it, he still has one of the best lows in the game, in my opinion. Down two. Yeah. I mean, it's fifteen frames. It yeah. high crushes so quickly. We saw that used a lot by the high-level Leroy's in Evo Japan. Down two is super good. If you try to punish that on block, yeah. you're gonna you get counter hit by the second hit as well. So down yes. two four, um, it's counter hit confirmable as well because down two on yes. counter hit gives a, a different animation. So I think yeah. down two, you know, if you want to play Leroy now, you have gotta stay in close range because that's obviously where his best tools yeah. are gonna work for you. Yeah, he has that back one which is safe. Down four one, down two, and then of course he still has the orbital if you want to do it. But I like the, the changes because. Like you said, the back one plus two, 10 frame more recovery. Even his back two's parry has a lot more recovery. So yeah, yeah. all of these flow charts that you'd see from these annoying Leroy's online, they're going to be a lot more punishable now. You can, you're, yeah. Better players are going to be able to beat these Leroy's. Because I think characters like, should you know, get to have standout powerful moves. I think yeah. this character, like every character mm. should have something that they sort of specialize in. And mm. then hopefully, if the character is interesting, that ends up creating the sort of play style you want to go for with that character. Mm. And uh, and and maybe he has that now, and that's why people keep saying that Eliza is so bad because the the standout thing that they they're trying to do with her is that you can turn uh, the down three on clean hit into a DP two into a full combo if you build up two bars because then you can do her super. But that clean that uh, clean it down three categorically loses the backdash, and the only other move she has that gives her any kind of advantage, which is her dive kick four also loses the backdash. So as long as the opponent is good at moving, uh, she doesn't have like anything. And then all the other frame data is like whack and super bad. Um, so I think Elise is an example of how not to do it, but I think Leroy is actually landed in a spot where he still has good things. And that's great. Like, you know, King should have good grappling and his throws should be better than other characters' throws because that's how you want to play him. And then maybe, hopefully, he should suck at other things. And now you have things you have to think about as the player and as the opponent. Yeah. 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 I have a, I have a question. Yeah. A very interesting question. Right? I thought before the nerfs, I actually still think that in order for people, let's say Tekken World Tour 2020, um, you know, in order for people to respect now a Leroy's win and not to bitch when they see a Leroy on the stream, ah, oh, shit, you're using Leroy. 
I thought they would have to have gutted this character completely, as in made him worse than Gigas, worse than Lily, whoever, whoever you think is the worst character. I thought just to get rid of, break his legs, take away his cane, you know, I thought they would have to have destroyed the character for people to actually respect it. Now, I, do you think that you're going to see people respecting Leroy now? Let's say if there's someone that sticks with Leroy in the Tekken World Tour or in any other tournament and plays Leroy, are we, just, are we going to still see people saying, oh, using Leroy it doesn't count? You know, it's, I, I, I don't think he deserves that kind of backlash anymore. And, and, and I think it's sad that they released him the way they, they did because he's a cool character. I think he's one of the coolest designs They've they've put out in Tekken for decades. Actually, he's he's really something interesting as a character design, and it's just so sad that he has this stigma attached to him now. I I you know I myself yeah. was really looking forward to playing him. Um, I mean I and I think he's obviously still a strong character. I I think the biggest shame with him is that he's still, he's a boring character. There's not much to him. Um, yeah. I wish his I wish his game plan was a bit more. Um, evolve. You know, there was a bit more to it. Um, but I think now that he has weaknesses, I think he is a bit more interesting because I think with Leroy, your focus now is you want to get in, um, and you want to stay in, and you want to, you know, you want to poke. His mix-ups are really good. His pokes are good, and his counter hits are good, but all at close range. And in the mid range, he still has that back four. He still has good space control, but he doesn't have great damage potential. I think in the mid to far range. Mm. Um, so, I mean, to answer your question, I mean, maybe people will still shit on, shit on Leroy. And I think that's a damn shame. Um, mm. You know, he's a cool character. I think so too. I think they will. Yeah. The people who still shit on him are going to be the people who maybe don't, you know, know. But my answer to the question is this. I don't think anybody's going to use him. You think anyone's going to use really? him? Really? I think after these nerfs, everybody who used him is going to go back to whoever they were playing before he came out. I think there are a lot of people out there who genuinely like the character. So I think it's going to be good to separate the wheat from the chaff here. I mean, there are a lot of people who uh, like Maybe. I mean, there might be. But honestly, I feel like a majority of the people in high-profile tournaments we saw that went to Leroy were people who used him because they, feel like, they felt like they had to. Because yeah. otherwise, you know, if everybody else is going to use him, then I'm bringing a knife to a gunfight and I'm going to lose. But honestly, I don't think um, that many people are going to use him. I'm looking forward to seeing Gonryu on the tour this year. I think he's going to show up a lot. And I honestly think people are sleeping on how good this character is. I think he's one of the better characters in the game. And there are people like Saint who are like known Gonryu users. So I'm, I'm, I think he's going to be... A, uh, a solid presence, maybe to the point where people get annoyed, kind of like how Jack used to be a big thing, you know, back in the day. Uh, but I honestly don't think we're going to see much Leroy. And maybe part of that I, will be because of the backlash, because if people are going to hate on him and I'm not going to get to be OP, then why would I use him, you know? While he's not OP, I still, yeah. think he's, I still think he's clearly a strong character. And most importantly, one of his biggest strengths is that he's very simple. I mean, that's a, that's a big thing in a tournament. I mean, yeah. l look at all the successful tournament characters conventionally, like Kazumi before in, in season one, Jack. I mean, um, Devil and, 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 and not it, simple execution, but very simple game plan. Yeah, but Devil Jin's been around since you know the since the, the Stone Ages. I mean, people have played Devil Jin since Tekken Tag Tournament one, essentially. Um, and the reason why Akuma is good was good in season three is that he was always good, but people just kind of discovered how to optimize him. 
in season three. So, um, like I, I do think there's definitely a lot to be said about simplicity and ease of use. Yeah. For a character, especially in a tournament setting, and I think that's going to be one of Leroy's big pluses. Um, he still has scary lows. He still has a, a really good poke game. Um, you know, he still has a lot of great tools. I mean, um, and yeah, I'm sure, yeah, he, I'm sure we'll Even still see one, him. One, like, it's it's you know one 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 plus two. We know it got nerfed, uh, so you know it doesn't it doesn't wall splat and. But it's still a 10 frame counter hit string. Yes, and yeah. it actually doesn't even need to be counter hit. The, the second one can still hit you, and the rest of it's guaranteed, you know. So, uh, yeah, the, it's not abusable anymore as it was before, uh, like in the previous patch, but it's still something that can net you a lot of damage in a tournament setting. Like I said, it's, it's literally you're mashing one, and mm. you're getting 45 or 42 damage or something from, from a 10 frame string. So, yeah, yeah it's still a, and that's uh, how the tour. And that's how Evo Japan ended, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think he did. Yeah, I think he did that string for the wall splat, and mm -hmm. then he also did the same string for the wall combo. So it was like coming on the audience's face, and then like slapping them, you know, when it was done. <laughs> Not even giving them like money for a cab home. It was fucking dirty, dude. Did what do you think, Spag? I mean, you're obviously closer to the tour than 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 we are. Like, what? How do you feel about uh, the character lineup? Like, what are you expecting to see? Um, I'm. You know, it's it's weird because season three is the most, in my opinion, the most volatile season yeah. we've had. Uh, damage is at its highest. Uh, wall carry, you know, finding walls in Tekken 7 was already really easy because the, the stages were small, but now we've got more wall carry. Look at Josie Jin and other, other characters, even Dragunov. Uh, so I feel like, you know, it's, it's going to be very volatile. As a competitor, I would have, I would hate to be competing in season three because it yeah. be so. It, I feel I like there's gonna be so many robberies. But as a commentator, yeah, it's I'm fun. Not gonna lie, it's 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 fun. Yeah, it's well, really good to to watch. But I can't help empathize for the players. But I mean, it is it's it's gonna be it's gonna be intense. Volatility yeah. volatility is a key word in in fighting games, especially in the past couple of years. Um, a lot of people complain that Street Fighter Five is too volatile as well. It's unpredictable. You have the whole V trigger system, and you know you can. From a poke, you can get like sixty percent okey reset, and it seems like the the current trend in fighting games is you know crazy wombo combo comeback factor that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, as you said, it probably makes for more entertaining events, more entertaining streams. But as a player and as a competitor, it's frustrating. Um, what do you? I mean, guys, what do you think about this trend? towards volatility and unpredictability in fighting games good question i i can see why they're doing I, it i, I would see. rather have it be unpredictable than be predictable if i had a choice and uh the only like events that i've watched so far when i didn't enjoy watching tekken is when people were using the same characters and playing them in predictable ways and i feel like right now the only character I'm worried about uh, in, in for this year, for the tournament season, is Akuma. Because I feel like he was changed a bit, but he still functions very similarly to the way he did in the past. And he kind of ruined the last year's tour for me a little bit. And I think uh, people are kind of forgetting about him because of the Leroy event. But now that mm -hmm. Leroy's nerfed back down, those guys in, in Pakistan who are complete monsters with Akuma, they're still out there. and they're going to show up. So 
uh, apart from Akuma, um, I think Voltaly could be. Uh, if it comes down to character variety, I think it's interesting. You know, but in the fighting game system, I want it to be homogenized enough that the best player tends to win, and it d- doesn't come down to like random stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Which I think in season three, you know, um, it's yet to be proven if that's going to be the case. I think it will be. I, I still think that the best players are still going to win. If you're the best player, if you're the knees and the Arslans and the low highs, um, Chikarins, you're gonna you're gonna be winning, right? Uh, even with this volatile system. Because yeah. their defense is so strong, but I feel yeah. like for other people, for the, the high level, intermediate to high level, it's going to be mm. so crazy for that for them. We're going to see inconsistent results, and it's because they've they've ten- they've gone down this route of instead of nerfing characters, they they just thought fuck it, let's just buff everyone. Let's mm. just let's just make the wall bounce system. Let's buff the wall bounce system so that it, you can get wall bounce from any angle. Let's give everyone really good wall carry. Let's yeah. increase the damage, and that's one thing. You know, we were talk- I was talking to. Um, I was actually watching JFK's stream, he's a Swedish streamer, and he was um, thinking about ways that you could just reduce combo damage without kind of without changing the game too much. Um, and you know, right now there's characters that get mid 70s with with safe launches. You know, look at Shaheen. Look at yeah. that guy gets from a downfall. Downfall too, yeah. Um, 70 plus damage. You shouldn't be getting that. I mean, that's crazy amount of damage in the open, man. I, mean, I agree, gonna, it's probably, crazy. Probably gonna find the wall. Yeah. I mean, I think you should be getting a big, a, a really damaging combo should be 65 damage. In my opinion. You know, a you know, really damaging a combo. Damaging like combo specialists in uh, used to get that. Like Katarina and Lars, who like specialize in combo damage, used to be able to get off mm. of standard punishable launchers for the most part, maybe with the exception of Lars's Orbital, used to be able to get like exactly 65. But characters who were good at other things like Kazumi, you know, poking moving, punishing, but weren't good at combos, used to get like 56 off of a standard combo. And now yeah, they've... Yeah. And, now, and, and now even Kazumi got more yeah. wall carry, man. Fucking crazy. And now Katarina and Lars get an easy 70 off of a 15 frame pop kick, you know? And stuff like that. Yeah. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast, how it's kind of crazy. And one thing that was brought up last time that I thought was interesting is like just a big fat nerf to the ability to constantly find the wall. You know, because the wall carry is at such as in, in, in is so powerful for so many characters right now. Like if you're playing Julia, for example, Holy I mean, shit, man. you can be at the opposite side of the large stage in the mm. game and still get the wall, which basically means, as far as game mechanics are concerned, that the wall carry is infinite because it's yeah. as, as long as it could you know ever possibly need to be right and there are a couple of characters like that Dragonov can basically do it for example can he still do that he he got patched um his 3 uh one string 3 one yeah yeah, yeah. i think yeah. they um he can't kind of cancel into it uh, over right. and over again yeah i think his his yeah. war carry was slightly reduced yeah 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 but I mean, I think you're but right. But even Dragonov still has a new string where he can get a lot of wall carry. Julia, every time you get a launch, is a great point. Every time you get a launch with Julia, you're going to get the wall. And it's and what, a lot of damage as yeah. well. Yeah, and, the, and the, the new moves that you saw that come, came out for Season 3, Eliza, just off the top of my head, Eliza, Jin, Dragonov, uh, uh, Elisa, they all, they all got, yeah, Josie specifically got higher like diagonal super healthy like wall carry conversion tools that are like no-brainers as well yeah 
like Elisa like flips you on the wall and then goes into a stance. You press all the buttons and it's like an optimal wall combo, you know? So it's a direction the game has definitely been heading in and I'm not sure it's healthy. So like, okay, so we go to an infinite stage, but then on the infinite stage, matchups become a huge thing and characters who are good at those stages cause your jack becomes super dope. But you know, maybe your character sucks dick. So it's, it's a problem. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, you know, it's just, the thing that bothers me most about it is it's, it's, it's so homogenized now, the wall carry. I mean, when you, when you look at, um, and it's a lot to do with the, uh, the screw system, because the screw system ensures that everyone has excellent wall carry. And uh, we talked about this on a, on a previous episode, but there's a, a weird byproduct is that optimal combo damage is from like mid screen or even slightly behind with mid screen. I mean, an idea in, in fighting games is that you should be rewarded for pushing the opponent into the corner through movement, right? But now you, if you, if you're getting your optimal combo, when your back is to the wall, that's right. bizarre. That's bizarre. That's it doesn't make Yeah. Um, like Julia mm-hmm. gets more damage from a combo when her back is to the wall, for example, because she can <laughs> yeah, yeah. she can get more hits in. Um, yeah. So from a and pure he fight, kills you if his back is to the wall. Right. Yeah, he can turn you around. It's it. You know, it's like from a fighting game theory point, it doesn't make sense. And maybe that's why they came up with wall bounce. They wanted you to actually want to push your opponent to the towards the wall, so they gave you something. You know. Potentially, yeah, that could that could be one of the the, the ideas behind it. But uh, for me, it's just the, the homogenization of it. Like most of the characters are going to find the wall after a combo. When before it was only a, a few characters, and that was their specialty. Like Lee, for example, that was his thing. In, and in it was hard time. too, which is important. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was it was it was his thing, and it was there was an execution barrier to it. And now it's pretty easy, you know. You're getting to the wall, and you're getting your wall combo. And you're getting I think a wall the pressure. Victim of this is. Are the people who played Nina and learned how to do her flat? Oh yeah, her butterfly yes. wings. You know? Yeah. Because what's the point? And you can even play Nina, and you don't need to do those anymore. Imagine someone that's like, and there are people out there who have just like perfected that. You know, were able to take you to the wall, and it was so sick. And it's like, yeah, now I'm. This is a strength of mine. But now any character can have the same wall carry. It doesn't matter. You know, you don't need to do it anymore. It's just, yeah. It's insane. I remember that. Like the dopest combo people in Tag Two picked Nina Lars. Uh, because they could, because uh, Lars had the, he was unga bunga, but he had the best tag bufferable stuff. Mm-hmm. And his wall combo was dope. And then you used uh, Nina for those insane flapping butterfly uh, wall combos. And you could yeah, do these yeah. like, That's you know, funny. like 20 plus hit combos. And it was specific team, specific, you know, set up. Uh, lo- really difficult to do the flapping butterflies, you know. Oh yeah, man. That's the only practice team. I remember when he came to France and we, we saw him do these insane combos and setups with Nina and Lars. Like, you know, no one minded that, man. It was like you required execution. It required, uh, you know, you to put in a grind to get the, to get that damage and that wall carry. But now it's like, yeah, hop kick. All right, you're to the wall. Boom. Yeah. You know, th- this is actually a good point. Um, I personally don't think execution is a I mean, it's inter- I, mean, it, I don't think it's the most interesting part of fighting games. At least it's not the meat and potatoes of fighting games. That lies in the mind games, the conditioning, the movement, all this other mm-hmm. stuff. But I still think that you should be rewarded for good execution. I mean, if technical skill is how you want to express yourself, then players should be allowed to do that. And there should be a real tangible reward for that. 
But at the same time, I don't think you should get these crazy meta shifting rewards for execution. And that's kind of where I think Akuma steps a line. I was yeah. going to say, that's, a, yeah, that's yeah. Akuma, yeah. I think like maybe the Mishmas kind of ride that line, ideally, yes. if, they, if they are perfectly balanced, because you get something that is exceptionally good, uh, but it's difficult to do. Yeah, right. it's a good right. point. I mean, Rise of the Robots, or whatever it was called, uh, was like <laughs> a really interesting thing that they, they tried to release a fighting game where there was no execution. Yes, yes. And you just literally pressed buttons. I never tried it. I don't know. There have been a bunch of fighting games which have. Um, it wasn't called Rise of the Robots. What was it? Rise of the Robots? Is this is this really shitty game from the from the nineties? Uh, but was, may, okay, I'm it, sorry. Rise was, of the Robots. It probably was Aaron. Something Thunder. Rise, it, yeah. Rising Rising Thunder. And it was yeah. a game that you're right. It, it completely removed um, the execution and it made it pure mind games. Um, and I personally didn't find it that interesting because. Um, I think there there is a dive kick as well. That's another that's another game that's purely about mind games, no execution. Um, I mean, I think there is something to be said about execution, kind of a- attaching you to a character, you yeah. know, kind of kind of creating a link between you and the character, like uh, just the motion of you know doing forward forward two whatever and getting a dash punch. If you could just do that for by pressing one button, it would feel different, and it wouldn't be as satisfying. Like, how do you feel, Spag, about, for example, because you uh, you're a capo player, right? So if you play a lot of capos, you I mean you have to shift your uh, execution and strategy in a sense where you kind of start neglecting horizontal movement a lot, but you need to become very good at a lot of backdashing, right? Yeah. So do yeah, you yeah. feel do you uh, do you feel like that's like a yeah. cool thing that's like cool for you when you play capos or do you feel like it's just frustrating when you go and try and play another character and now you have to adjust? He is is unique in that way, isn't it? Capo? And yeah. there's a lot of characters that are unique in in that way. You know, he's not going to use lateral movement, but his uh, you know his backdash has a very specific timing which you need to get used to, and you're it's a different mind game. You know, you don't have to worry much too much about uh the the 3D. Uh, game, you just you just worry more about okay your spacing, you know, your, and your keep out with the side to the four seven four and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's 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 that's the reason why I enjoy playing Eddie. And um, people and the people think that you know it's it's sad because there's a stigma attached to Eddie um, and Capos that they're mashy and sh- and they're easy wins. And they used to be in tag two. I'm not gonna even lie, they were very easy to win in tag two. But in in this game, it's a lot harder, especially when we've been talking about all these characters getting combo buffs and Eddie didn't really get any, um, any yeah. buffs or combo buffs. So, I mean, yeah, um, I, I I definitely I, enjoy the, I, the uniqueness of, of that. That reminded me of something earlier. You said that the the key defining kind of point or play style about um, Koreans was their movement, and in Pakistan, it's about space control and punishment, optimal punishment. So, what um, on that point? I mean, if it's not so, is is Eddie a popular character in Pakistan? Because his 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 two D movement is yeah. very good, right? So, do they see potential yes. in that character? The problem is, is that yeah, although his two D movement is really good, and like like Nee said, that he they don't Pakistanis don't really use a lot of lateral movement. Um, it doesn't mean that he's a good character. Yeah, according right, to right. them, you know, yeah. the Pakistanis and the this is this is the reason why they've been playing Akuma since season one, and when everybody was putting 
you know, even top players were putting Akuma on B tier, C tier. Pakistanis were saying, you guys are stupid. Uh, he, he's SSS tier. And people, you know, they were, they were just saying, shut up, you don't know what you're talking about. And then Atif and, and Awes proved it. They, Pakistanis are the kind of people that will just, they will find what's broken and they will, they will use it. They, they love, they, there's a lot of diversity, by the way. No, don't, like, don't get it twisted. When, when you could just go and watch Takra Cup. Uh, the archives are still there. Go watch it. And it was one of the most diverse character tournaments I've ever, I've ever seen. But, you know, there are Eddie players out there. There's people that play every character, man. But uh, yeah. they do tend to, like, like other countries, use characters that are strong. Um, um, you know, even if they don't have their own play style. Um, Spag, I want to ask if if um, Korea is about movement and Pakistan is about space control and punishment. What do you think uh, American tech end and European tech end focuses on or is strong at? Snake edges. I think <laughs> <laughs> it's not not far off, man. I feel like <laughs> European European uh, play style is uh, is is quite unique, but it's very feel based. Um, very setup heavy as well. You know, this is the way that we play Tekken. Um, and it's, it's partly to do with the fact that we've grown up, you know, a lot of the newer players, uh, even even older, older players, playing online now. We're not playing... Uh, offline is not as um, prevalent anymore. So relying on these just raw setups and high-risk, um, high-reward sort of situations is, is kind of how the general European play style is. And it's why it's so entertaining to watch. And it's why we have so much diversity because people just throw everything in the kitchen sink and, mm. and, and try and get the damage. Of course, we do have players like Sefi, like Asim, and Asim is Pakistani, but you have Sefi and all these other guys, Guni, who are very, very solid and they, they're defensive. And they, they, so there's a variety of play styles in Europe. But generally speaking, you know, I feel like that's, that's how Europe is. With, with, with players. That's so such a good point. That's, I've never thought about that, but that's such an interesting point, like how... What does it do to like a, a region of Tekken players when they don't have that offline pedigree? Mm. Korea, Japan, you know, they all the people are really good now started out. I mean, and and you know, Cali and stuff like that, you know, learning it probably in the arcades, paying money for every single loss in an environment with no online lag, probably playing on the same machine as their opponent, but European Tekken is all about online, pretty much from the start. Yeah. So when I was making that joke about Snake Edge, you know, it is a move that can be difficult to react to online, and so it becomes this, like, you know, stuff, mm. st things that aren't really a 50-50 can become a 50-50 in Europe, you know? And it's so interesting when you see it, because you look yeah. at people like Dinosaur, you know, who you've had in the podcast, you look at people like Starscream, who is his... And, uh, and they start on the arcade. They play, yeah, they're they old arcade. You know, Ryan Hart, Asim, Ryan Hart, Starscream, Dinosaur, they're European, but they do not have the general European play style. They play in a very, uh, you know, conventional, by the kind of more by the book and kind of um, solid play style, if, if you would. It's, it's a vague term, but I would say that, you know, more of a solid kind of uh, play, play style not so crazy and risky and they stay so calm under pressure so calm mm. um whereas you know <laughs> people if they if they got rage if they got like uh you know a few pixels left they're gonna they're gonna do something they even they don't know what they're gonna do um so there's there's that huge difference as well and then you look at um because you, you could make an argument it's because they're old school well fine let's look at newer school players there's a guy his name is uh chicken maru i only started playing in second seven this guy quickly became top five in the uk and got set you know, first of five wins over CBM, and it's offline, by the way, and almost beat Lohai, like, 
this guy is certainly one of the best in Europe, got multiple top eights in the few tournaments he went to. Why? Because this guy would go to the Red Bull venue in London and sit down and play this kind of, they would do like this kind of thing where they just do winner stays on, you know, whoever, and he would get 40 wins in a row and just like grind, 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 grind all the time. This guy would just play the fuck out of Tekken offline. And that's how this guy got good. And he hasn't really, really got that kind of conventional European playstyle as well. So I feel like, um, yeah, the online offline thing is very important. And the reason why the UK has been stepping up a lot is because they have that, uh, they've been getting more offline practice. Look at Kane and Trench as well. You know, that guy mm-hmm. grinded at tournaments offline back in Tag 2. So, it, yeah, that, it's, it's important, man. It's very important. It, it's been a while since I, I live in the UK. Where are the offline events taking place? Because when I was there, it was, it was Hog. It was the heart of gaming. It was a few years ago. And before yeah, that, yeah. it was, of course, Casino, uh, Troc, and whatnot. Mm. But where, 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 where are players getting their, their games in now, offline? So you have the Red Bull Gaming Sphere in East London, Shoreditch, right. which right, is, right. Um, you know, that, that would open, I think, Thursdays. Not every Thursday, but, you know, Thursday generally, they'll be open for games. Um, mm. the, the the East London fighters guys they have they do stuff sometimes District District G will do things sometimes as well but generally speaking the Red Bull venue is in London is what where people do some things and uh, for other scenes you know I know I'm not too um, I, I don't have too much knowledge about where everyone plays but I know Leeds has a venue where these guys play games I know Birmingham lot they have a WhatsApp group. Uh, a Midlands kind of group where people from the Midlands meet up and they just they just organize themselves to have a venue and they play. So mm. there's a lot of offline second happening. That's why Birmingham is getting really strong. I, I'm I'm not living in London anymore. I live in Birmingham now and I'm seeing okay. that the players there are getting incredibly strong now as well. And it's because of that offline practice. These guys yeah. are meeting up. It makes such a huge difference. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. And you know, it's it's mad because Korea is one of the things why I, one of the reasons why I feel Korea have been getting weaker is because they haven't been getting right. offline Green arcade, it closed, yeah, and it's it's not just the um you know of, of course playing offline is optimal because the the you know there's no lag and whatnot so you can play defensively and solid but there's also the social aspects and creating rivalries and friendships especially the rivalries yeah. uh, I think that's so important uh, to have a like a friendly not just I think it's underrated it's super yeah. underrated oh, yeah. like having oh, yeah. that offline the social interactions like you said is so underrated. And it's one of the reasons why I feel like a lot of people have got strong. It's not just because of the, like you said, the, the, the no lag and this and that. And it's, it's great to see because I, I feel like Korea have been getting weaker because of it. I asked Lohai, I asked Ni, and they kind of agreed with it. Um, but now, you know, it's good to see. Actually, I just saw a tweet today. Uh, Corey um, have a, they, they, oh, they yeah. got a venue saw, now in Seoul. I saw <laughs> and, that, um, yeah. You know, they've been, players have been going down there. So shout out to those guys, man. Yeah, Jail's a great they, guy. You yeah. know, when I was in, when I was in Korea, they were specifically talking about creating that just for those guys, for those <coughs> to kind of get these guys uh, better at the game. <coughs> I agree completely. I mean, sometimes now when I play, because I talked about those those five guys that I started with back in Sweden. When I play Tekken right now and I'm having like a rough day, I'm you know losing or whatever, and I'm feeling frustration. I try and like do this mindfulness exercise where I try like that. Why do I still play this game? Why does it still matter to me? And it turns out for the most part is even though I haven't been with that group of friends, basically since I moved to Japan, even though I don't get to see them anymore, I'm still just waiting for the next weekend. We're all going to meet up and play Tekken and I'm going to show them all this dope shit I learned and you know how much better I got while I was away. So even though I'm not consciously thinking about it, 
the the only reason I keep trying to get better at Tekken and keep playing is because of uh, loving relationships with people I had in the real world. It created that personal connection, and then the game became an obsession and an addiction and whatever. But that came from like other things, and uh, I think, like you say, it's like super underrated. But it's weird how. Uh, I mean, we all make like YouTube now and stuff. I have people in my comments going like, I don't have an offline scene. I live in, you know, fucking, you know, but fuck Wisconsin and there's nobody. <laughs> how can I like, how can I try and like artificially create like an offline vibe? Do I need to like get some of my like friends from school and try and teach them tech <laughs> so that they can get really good. And then, you know, like they, they're trying to, Offline is becoming like this legendary old gold, golden age that everybody is nostalgic about. And the new guys who live online are like trying to like artificially recreate it in weird ways, which is super interesting to me. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I totally agree. And, and I don't necessarily um, think that you can't create that kind of community or atmosphere online. And I think games could be doing a lot more on that front. I mean, first of all, there's a whole need to have good netcode issue, but what if at the end of a match, um, the game kind of suggested or recommended you to send a friendly message uh, to oh your God, opponent? It would just right? be flames and wow. fuck you and how cheap. The <laughs> is. But no, what if it what if it rewarded you in some way to to message the other player? <laughs> To, to, to create a, a, so you. Okay, trust me, dude. It would be such fucking darkness you can't even imagine. Like, I <laughs> would split your ribcage open and dance on your insides until you're indistinguishable from barbecue sauce. And like, that, that's the kind of thing that would be coming through exclusively. Your soul is yeah, made of cock sure. cheese. I mean, it, it, would be, it would be complete fucking darkness. One of the and you get rewarded for it as well. Technology. You get rewarded for that shit. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, you have to, you, I mean, if that was an option, I would have it turned off always because I think because you're online and you're sort of anonymous, you get to say anything. And so all of your frustration goes into a message where you're just like, you know, fuck your everything and all that you are and your character and the moves you use. Well, that's, but that's if you're from, sitting next to somebody, you can't say that shit. So you yeah. have to like shake their hand. Oh, yeah. There's no getting around the anonymity of, of online, of course. And that's the kicker, isn't it? That's yeah. the kicker. Yeah, yeah. But I think a, a great, uh, a great sort of story to tell about about the online offline thing is Fergus's story because Fergus, as we know, is a two times second world tour finalist. Yeah, one of the best players in the world. We've got to admit it. He is. He's mm -hmm. he'll be competing tomorrow as well. He's coming to mm -hmm. Switzerland later on today. Um, very very strong player. But you know what? When when we were playing tag two, he had no one, no one in his scene. He it was only him. And one other guy, Kuro, who used to play Law and Steve back then, but even he didn't play that, that much. So Fergus grinded online. He learned from online. It wasn't the best environment, but he didn't have anything else. So online, 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 you know, and, you know, flew himself to, you know, these tournaments where he could actually then refine those skills that he learned, apply them offline, and just, just become better slowly over time, you know. Mm -hmm. But then in Tekken 7, there were other players that wanted to go. Obviously, a lot of uh, Tekken 7 blew up. A lot of people got, in, got involved. And there were some Irish players. And then Fergus was very, very good at reaching out to them, saying, hey, I'll, I'm going to do some offline sessions, guys. Come, come down, play the game online, enjoy it. But I'm here to teach you guys uh, what I've learned from my time traveling over Tag 2 and learning this game. 
So now you've got people like Senior Farfala, you've got like a, a guy called Jason and appears there's so many people. And even a guy called John, John, who actually beat Fergus. He's a, he's a Marduk player, man. He beat Fergus in the tournament. And he's, people are saying maybe he's the best in Ireland. Um, so he now, he now has a very thriving, amazing community of, uh, in, in Ireland here in Tekken 7 now. So I think you can get to a very good level online. And if you fly yourself to tournaments and you have the passion, have the drive, it's, it's very possible. And I'm sure um, other people, that's how you can kind of grow a scene. It's a good example of, of growing a scene, you know, from, from nothing to something. That's beautiful. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that's the whole thing I try to do with my channel, because like I said, I'm pretty, I'm pretty new to the game, actually, even though I played a lot. But what I try to do, like my, my whole thing was it's this difficult, dark thing that you get obsessed with and, and do a lot. But maybe I can walk a couple of steps ahead of you holding a lantern and then maybe show the way. As I'm learning new things and experiencing new things, maybe I can like pull a couple of people with me. And I think my, the reason my channel got any kind of momentum is the success of Tekken 7 because the game blew up. <laughs> but I remember guys like you, and, and I mean, back in Tekken Tag 2 with Rip and, and Aris and stuff like that, who were like trying to do a podcast every week when the game was like dead and dog shit and nobody cared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Tekken Tag 2 was crazy, man. If you think about it, yeah, you, you, just have to have, you just have to have pure passion for the game to play yeah. that. And, you know, I loved it. The people I met as well, I, I you know, I, I didn't know anyone in the, in the scene. Um, you know, I, in my opinion, the London scene was quite, it wasn't welcoming, you know, not to me anyway. So I did go to some tournaments, but I didn't really feel like I should go offline. Um, so the online people that I met, Fergus, Mr. Adamo, and, and all these guys, you know, and, and we finally met up for, a, or like 10 of us, 10 people from online that I've never seen before in my life, but we've been talking to them for years. We met up. We, uh, they came to my house uh, in, in London and we went to a tournament together. And then, you know, we just started traveling more and more. And it's still happening to this day. You know, that was tag two times. That was just pure passion. And, and our friends, our group of friends from online that we met, and it's happening even till today, man. We're just, it's the same shit. We're, 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 we're meeting up, we're going to tournaments, just having a good time, man. And it's, it's, it's great. And in the, in the, in the meanwhile, the scene, all these scenes have been growing from it. So it's just really cool, man. Yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, going back to Fergus, he, he is incredibly generous with his time. Um, you know, <clears throat> when uh, the first video that we made on, on, on TBS, it was the character um, Overviews. Um, and, yeah. you know, that was, that was based off Fergus's guide. And, you know, that that's kind of like, what the channel started from and really the probably the channel might not even exist without Fergus's help getting it moving with that first video so you know one um, thing I can say about him is he just he just gen- he genuinely cares about yeah. helping people it's, he it's, does it's the most genuine thing yeah for sure he, he gen- not, he's not looking for clout or anything he just genuinely yeah. cares he genuinely loves the game and he genuinely <laughs> wants more people to play it um that's that's a really beautiful thing mm. and you know um if 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 um but for but, but fuck Wisconsin doesn't have much of a scene. You can plant the seeds, right? You can plant yeah. the seeds. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think one of the topics we wanted to talk about is um, patching. Uh, you, you mentioned this, um, Spag, that you want to talk, you specifically want to talk about are we patching games too much? Yeah. Um, um, so I, the whole thing was like, I feel. Um, Obviously, Tekken Tag 2, that's the game where I started to learn the game mostly. And it was just one patch in the beginning and then nothing oh, yeah. for six, for like five, four, five, four years. So, you know, maybe 
I don't know, man. Is, is it too much? Is what we're getting now? I don't know. I, I'm not new to this. Maybe you'll know better. For, for sure. I, I mean, I, I agree. I think um, there's definitely something to be said um, about letting the meta for a game settle and allowing the the community to to really dive deep into it. I mean, I, you know, I think that um, currently, if we were still playing season two or even season one, the tiers would be radically different now and competitive play would be different even without all the changes that the um, developers or, or, or without all the patches. I mean, a game's meta, especially with a game as complex as Tekken, will shift naturally over time. Um, and that's part of what makes yeah. a fighting game interesting, I think, because you're leaving it in the hands of the community and you're leaving it in the hands of the player, I, especially with Tekken, because Tekken is a game which kind of the play style and the way it's been balanced over the years is a, totally a symbiosis between how people played it and how the developers created it. Because I'm pretty sure they didn't intend to for backdash cancelling to be as powerful as it was. You know, I'm sure that um, like they, they didn't intend to put in backdash cancelling in there. And now it's an integral kind of core of the game that the game is obviously balanced around. You know, the, 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 the development team clearly knows how strong backdashes are and they, they, they balance the game around it. But it was the community that figured out in the first place that, oh shit, backdash cancelling is pretty good. Uh, back, uh, backdashing and whiff punishing's movement is pretty good. So um, I think if the developer is just patching it constantly, they're kind of taking away the voice of the community and their input, and it's not that symbiosis anymore. It's not that conversation. It's like a teacher a telling really you how you're point. supposed to play. You it's know? a really good point, and I think it's uh, one of the interesting things about that is I think it's pretty obvious that for, for better or worse, no advanced Tekken player seems to seem to work at Namco. Um, I think a few give input. I think if really? you definitely give input. I mean, yeah, um, but like actually like work in character development. The the interesting thing is I don't understand why the people who who because obviously it's not um uh Harada and Michael Murray personally making all the changes. It's no. it's obviously a team. And I and I wish we heard more from that team. I wish we could talk yeah. to that team. I wish they were more visible uh and transparent. Yeah, totally. Like developer diary stuff would be really cool. Yeah. That's what, I think that's what it, yeah. That's what they did with Killer Instinct. That's what they did with Killer Instinct. And that was a fantastic way of reaching out to the community. Every time they made a patch, they listed uh, not just all the changes, but the reasoning and the thought process behind those changes. And that, that, that was incredible. I mean, it's a shame. Killer Instinct did so many things so well. Um, it's just a shame that it, it didn't catch on because it wasn't released on, on a Sony platform. It was exclusive to Microsoft. But yeah, um, yeah sorry, you, you were going to say, Frank? No, I was going to say that I think a uh, few patches and like and like big impactful patches like season two, season three, I think is a very good idea. But it also depends on what kind of patch you want to release. Hmm. Like small, tiny changes all the time probably gets annoying. But I think if you want to make these big patches that are supposed to balance and shift the meta, then they should shift the meta. And honestly, like if you have a an original arcade version of Tekken where Gigas is one of the worst characters. You go to retail, you change a bunch of, bunch of things. He's still one of the worst characters. If you release season two, he's still one of the worst <laughs> characters. 
The release season three is still one of the worst characters and just keeps going like that. I, you know, would like to see like few strong patches, but honestly, ones that are impactful enough that characters that were near the bottom of the tier list might all of a sudden find themselves in the middle or near the top and where characters who find themselves consistently near the top all of a sudden might not be considered that strong anymore. And that, unfortunately, in my opinion, doesn't happen. I mean, you know, you have characters like Dragunov and, you know, the question is, is he going to be top one, top three, top five, maybe top ten? But there's never been a patch where Giga suddenly is like a major contender for the top of the tier list and Dragunov goes near the bottom. And I think that would be more interesting for me because every season, iteration and tournament season of Tekken would be different. And so I would be for uh, fewer more impactful patches where I want the not the characters themselves, but the tier list to change would be interesting to me. And if, if you're striving for a perfect balance, that would realistically happen. But if you have characters you think should be weak and characters you think should be strong, I think something like what we're seeing happens. And so I think the, the developers of the game are playing favorites. I think they weigh character popularity into the way they balance characters and that bothers me and i think that's one of the reasons you end up with something like leroy character popularity and excitement leads to better frame data and better moves and i think that's a problematic way to, to uh to to balance and design again yeah yeah i agree yeah it's clear that when leroy was released they, they wanted this character to be super strong it's clear as daylight um and in, in that case you know i think uh, when it comes to an emergency patch like the one we just got to to level out the playing field to normalize him, so to speak, that's 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 definitely to the benefit of the game. The game is a the game is more positive all around. It, it's a better game. Um, but I like yeah, I, I mean, I, I, about, when CBM's telling me that there are Koreans that are just not not playing the game anymore, like a bunch of Koreans that are like I'm not playing Tekken anymore. There's a problem. Yeah, There's a yeah, huge yeah, problem. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have to do that. Leroy was toxic to the community, and it's a shame. Like I keep saying, he's he's a really cool character, but he was he was just um, way too strong. Um, yeah. But we're talking about like these big meta shifting patches, and they 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 seem to come around once every year now. And do you think that is too often? Um, I no. I no. For me, the, it's the most exciting. Like I got caught in the office when the patch note notes dropped. In my Japanese office where everybody's a fucking samurai, and I was like illegally fucking downloading and printing out patch notes. And I was like, oh my god, what did, what did they do to Lars? Is he gonna be good now? Did they change you know this and that? And it was like one of the most exciting times since the release of the game. So I think obviously the excitement goes down if it happens more often, but if they were to happen twice a year, I think that would be super dope because people like Elise has been super fucked, a slightly, slightly different flavor of shit in every version of the game. But, you know, all the, like the people who come to my channel, the Elisa players, the Miguel players, you know, they're like, maybe this is the one where something really dope happens and, and we get super viable, you know? Hmm. And I, it's that period of discovery as well, you know, just having that yeah. kind of those, those weeks of just being able to like find new things. Yeah, uh, things I, that were not in the patch notes as well. Even Leroy, Leroy had some nerfs that weren't in the patch notes. You know that, like the, his one, for example, his one plus two string. It doesn't, it doesn't combo at the wall anymore. It doesn't give you a sixty percent hit at the end. Like there's, there's small little things that are like 
that can be nerfs and buffs that you don't even get on the pack mode. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I still sometimes, I don't necessarily agree there because I, I still think, um, for, again, as I said, for a game as complex as Tekken, it can take years for the community and the meta to, to develop to what it should be. And I, I actually think for a game of, of Tekken's complexity, a year might be too often. Um, but I understand why they're doing it. It's it 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 keeps yeah. the game fresh and exciting and interesting. But sometimes I feel like some of those balance decisions aren't. Um, the thought process isn't. Let's make the best game possible. It's how can we manufacture hype, and I. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, um, look at melee for Christ's sakes. Melee. Um, melee is like super old, super old. It oh doesn't yeah, oh yeah. Change. Oh, smash melee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, Fox is like super dope, but you know, hungry box. Like, there's one like super high level puff guy. Yeah. Couple of people like trying uh, to still make like hungry Falco vir- Yeah, and um, a c- couple of people playing like uh, Falco at a really high level, but not being quite as good as, as Fox. But that's a meta that's been like settled for a really long time. You know, Armada yeah. in Sweden with his Peach. Yeah. A couple of wild cards, a couple of cool things happening. And it's a tiny roster as well. So I think maybe mm. that's a good argument for like, you know, just let it like be and see what happens, you know, let it, you know, grow mold and like become funky in all its ways naturally. Mm. As long as there's not, not, there's not something like Leroy and Akuma that is like categorically better than everything else. Yeah. I think that could be an interesting way to go about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I think I think both of you guys are right, man. I think both of you guys are right in in a way. Um, if you if you just combine both your points together in a way, like um, so, yes, the meta definitely is such a complex game tech game. Uh, even if, let's say we had season one, if we just had season one for three years, then mm-hmm. we would discover so many new things. Like for example. We, we all thought Dragonov and Jack were broken. Or not broken, mm-hmm. but really fucking OP. But what, why? Because Saint and JDCR played those characters and they were dominant. Yeah. It's because of the player. But we thought, oh, the character, man, blah, 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 they're winning everything. But then who came at the end and won the, the World Tour? It was Kudan with Devil Jin. And now all yeah. of a sudden, that character that people didn't really look at, look at as being a high tier. Oh, he's too hard. This is what they're saying. Too hard. The execution is too much. Uh, he's not a good character. Boom, Kudan wins. Oh, no, shit, man. Devil Jin is good. And imagine now if Arsalan and Awes Hani and Atif were in season one, if they were competing. Now yeah. all of a sudden, Kazumi's fucking oh yeah, really oh yeah, was saying she was really good. But yeah. good but, point, um, yeah. You know, she would have been, she would have been seen is even better than she was already considered. And then Akuma, who people weren't really rating too highly. I mean, Awes Hani definitely could have won some tournaments in season one with his Akuma uh, in the second world yeah. tour. So. Uh, there was there was definitely things we were missing that we didn't know. Like we thought we knew it all, but we didn't. Um, so, but what I think with the season changes are the big the big changes. Why they're doing it is because they're forcing the change instead of us organically finding out the different you know kind of new things and new you know uh, characters that are actually better than they originally were thought. They are manufacturing that artificially themselves with these with these patches by um, by by releasing these massive changes because. Change is what is hype for the community. It's something that Tekken hasn't had yeah. that we can go in and we can see. You know, Katarina, for example, she was um, she played a certain way in season one. She was buffed, but over everything, she was changed, and, and yeah. that was that was interesting as well. Which I I'm personally not a fan of, but um, it's definitely something fresh, and people are actually do, they do like that. They like that I have to change my playstyle now. I have to play a different way, and it's fun and it's 
it's exciting for people like Yolanda. He was saying it was really exciting that he had to play a different way with with Katarina now that he won the LCQ with that with that Katarina um, in 2018. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's kind of it's both sides of it. I personally, um, I'm I'm fine with it. I'm okay with you making these massive changes. I just don't like it when it's in the middle of the Tekken World Tour season. Oh that's yeah, that's a, that's, 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 that's a big problem. And that, that happened um, a few times with the last season. Right? Happened, man. Yeah. Season three, dude. That was a, it's a kicker. thing. It it's was, a kicker. It was so many changes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the person I feel like, you know, he, he like, asked him, I feel like he got bodied because of that. Katarina yeah. got nerfed. Yeah. We all know about how much she got nerfed. Kazumi got nerfed. And he's got nerfed. Those are the three characters he used. And so he was, um, in, and you know, Aston didn't really have a lot of time to play. He's got two kids and he works a lot, but um, he was comfortable. He was winning tournaments. He won Head Stomper. He won WSO. He won a few more in season yeah. two. And then this huge change came and, you know, his characters got nerfed. Uh, yeah. and, and Geese, you could say, was still good, but he was changed. That's why I'm saying that there's... there's and he was worse. He was a lot worse. He was yeah. changed, Geese but he was, was a lot worse, but he was changed. Yeah. So... He was bu- he was buffed in some ways and he was nerfed in some ways, so you had to play him differently. Uh, and yeah. Chikrin kind of showed how that was capable of being done in the, in the World Tour Finals this year, uh, 2019. He won with Geese, even though he won the Grand Finals with Puma. He he got all the wins with Geese, and because his damage was so high, you got to rely more on meter management and that standing too. So, like, um, I I don't know. I just feel like you need to give players who are competing some time to adjust to this shit. Man. Yeah. And right now is the time. It's this off season. That's when you give people the chance to do that. Yeah, I I, I agree. I I have a few kind of general rules I think that developers should try to stick to when patching or updating or whatever a game. Um, the first is of course try not to do it in the middle of a competitive season. It's 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 very it's very anti-competitive. Um, second of all, um, I think that. Um, as far as is possible, I mean the uh, if a car- a move should be okay. Let's talk about let's go talk about buffs and nerfs. Um, generally, a character um, shouldn't be nerfed. I think because nobody likes having something taken away from them. It's really discouraging for a player to have discovered a certain play style. It's like oh no, that no no no, that's too good. No, we'll, we'll take that away from you unless the move you're nerfing. Um, is to the detriment of the overall game or invalidates a lot of their other moves. Yeah, if the character is more interesting because you know um, they have to use a wider diversity of their move set, that's a good that's a good nerf, right? But um, I really think that as far as is possible, developers should focus on buffing characters uh, for the most part. But then again, eventually. You- Seven buff the characters consistently for so long that now yeah. all the and damage is super whack because the health bars haven't gotten any longer. Yeah, then it's creep. And it's distance, power creep, and, and, right? And the distance to the wall hasn't hasn't gotten any further. So yeah. uh, I think like then you one, get season three. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. like a good, yeah. I think a good like um, amalgamation of these different viewpoints would be simply okay. Gigas is like consistently shit for like a really long time. We don't have to, like, you know, destroy the way Steve functions to give him a chance to compete. So maybe we could do something for him to make him a factor. 
and do something that seems really quite strong and really quite powerful and you just throw that rock into the pond and you let it ripple and you see what yeah. happens, you know? But I could see like, you know, stuff like season four where changes come out, but they don't necessarily affect all characters because it's been a, a little bit of a democracy so far where every character gets a new move, every character gets, you know, changes, adjustments, and every character that gets nerfed also gets a buff, you know, like a band-aid. Mm-hmm. And every character get, that gets nerfed also gets some buffs. What if like there's like a patch where we do like a lot of stuff for Miguel, Elisa, and Gigas, but we don't necessarily fuck with like the higher tiers? Hmm. Uh, it could be interesting, yeah. you know. Yeah, sure. Um, it's it's all a little bit crazy at the moment. I feel with season three, um, yeah. uh, and and that's why I'm actually quite looking forward to the the world tour season just to see you know what happens. Um, we've got so, but in a way, it's actually pretty good as well because we have so many characters that are good. So yeah. we're gonna get diversity. We're gonna get Lohai playing his Shaheen. We're gonna have Arslan playing his Zafina, and you know, people will still be rocking the Kuma, and yeah. and there there are gonna be Leroy's as well, undoubtedly. So we're gonna, it's good. In a way, we, we, it's 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 crazy, but it's it's still kind of balanced. You know what I mean? It's still yeah. balanced in its own way. There are so, enough um, characters you know, that are really good. There are enough characters that are really good, which is yeah. great. We, we won't see any Miguel's on the world unless the Black makes a, you know, I, makes a real effort and gets really far. But mm-hmm. uh, there are enough characters that are really good. My big prediction is that the big dark horse is uh, uh, Ryu. I have a feeling he's just going to be a presence. Yeah. I hope. Could be. A I mean, lot he, relies on the player as well. That's the thing. A lot relies yeah. on the player itself. There has to be a player to actually make that. And a saint, like you said, is is that guy. Yeah. Can he do it? I, I believe in him. I he was the world number one when I started Tekken. So he was the guy I was watching, you know. He was the official world champion when I started. So I was like, okay. This is like... And he was playing mm. like Bob Gonru in Tag 2, right? Yes, and that was yes, super he, dope. That was sick yeah, mm. sick. That was sick. Him and El Negro with the Kunimitsu Raven team. Those were the guys that really got me going. Because they were character specialists and they play these weird, cool teams. Like the fat yeah, team yeah. and the ninja team, you know? <laughs> El Negro is sick. It's always fun to see unconventional characters. But, you know, yeah. if... um, I mean... I think most of all, I, I, I prefer a hands-off approach when it comes to balancing. Um, if something that. is... If something is particularly egregious, like 5.0 Steve or what Leroy, Leroy just was, yeah, then of course, you know, round off those <laughs> edges. Um, yeah. But, you know, um, the focus, I think, should be on buffs. And as, as you were saying, buffs to the lower <laughs> end of kind of a character tier list. Um, yeah. Nobody, um, um, and if a character is fine as they are, just leave them, you know? Yeah. Um, I feel like sometimes they, when a see the thing is with a with a season patch change is that developers think that okay everyone needs some new toys to play with, um, so we have to give something to all of these characters even if they were f- just fine before, yeah. Uh, which is kind of why I think that like Steve got his stupid ass rage drive in season two. And I'm a Steve <laughs> player, but I but I still think that's really dumb. I still think his rage drive is kind of ridiculous. Uh, he a had a really of, shitty rage drive at first, right? He did, but I mean, it was. It, and then they just asked him a good one too. It was very specialized. It was. It wasn't something you could just yeah. throw out. It was very good at the wall, but yeah. um, that's fine. It's fine for a character to be weak at certain things. In a lot of ways, season one Steve to me is my favorite version of the character because um, 
you know, you didn't have this absurd rage drive. You, um, you know, I feel like there's a bit too much of an execution demand on him um, for the to get the optimal down forward two combo. Um, and I think there's too much of a gap between the optimal down forward two and the second best option. Um, mm. But that's just my opinion on, on the matter. Yeah, um, there's a lot of that in the game. I think those are the um, exi- like uh, Spag who plays Zafina now. Like you can do a lot of like 59 damage combos, 60 damage combos. But if you want that sweet 65, 66, you got to learn the just frame. It's not mm. super hard, but it's not yeah, something yeah. that every. But it's something that only people who care about the character are going to learn. And that's perfect. Yeah. Like she's my favorite design in the game, more or less, because I think they've done that perfectly. Average to slightly above average if you make an slightly below average if you don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like sure. I like that. Yeah. Very, very uh, yeah. She's, that's what I said. Again, there's a lot of diversity in this right now. What we're seeing, so I like that. But what I what I think like strongly, which was touched upon earlier, is if you're gonna do buffs, nerfs, whatever, don't do it based on the popularity of a character, man. And I feel right. like it's done. Uh, from what I've heard, I don't know where I heard it. I heard that, for example, Asuka, she was a very popular character in Japan. Uh, and yeah, then it yeah. made she sense is, to me. Is. Like, even fucking bro, Fergus was, tell- was laughing. He, he laughed when he saw the season two changes. He goes, I don't know why they keep buffing her. Why did they give her this 4-4-3? High crushing, mid, homing, safe, and- counter hit launcher. Why does she have that? Why, does she- why isn't Sasset too safe? Why does back three, why is it so hard to punish for so many characters? He was asking as an Asuka main, but it makes sense when you think, okay, she's popular in Japan, therefore they're probably yeah. protecting her. And Lisa, another one as well, for some reason, yeah. just, just not get, she's getting buffed all the time, you know? Crept I, all I the think, time. you know, um, yeah. I, I, like I, I, you know, I also think there's something to be said about patching the game to make it more entertaining at all levels of play. Um, because Asuka has yeah. traditionally never been a very strong tournament character because her ability to punish minor whiffs isn't particularly good. Her jab strings are kind of weak and and um, top players don't make big mistakes. So uh, that's where <coughs> a, a character like Kazumi can really shine because she's very good at s- creating um, minor whiffs with her movement yeah. and punishing it with 1-1-2. One, one, um, and Asuka is the complete opposite of that. Her, her jab strings suck. And that's really, really big at, at yeah. you know. And she's at, a monster online. Yeah, she's a monster online. And because... Hotch is another character you don't see much in tournament. He's a fucking monster. His fucking <laughs> hunting hogs, the fucking Ford Four Twos, Unga Maximum Bungas. Uh, yeah. Asuka, you basically chill and do like a couple of back threes, and you can get really far, uh, really, really far. Like bleeding edge of tournament play, no. But you're you're right. I think people should consider online more because, like I've said many times on this podcast. It's the main game mode because it's where ninety nine point nine percent of all Tekken matches happen. Yeah, I, I, and not just online, but balancing for players of all skill levels. And I'm not saying that to, balancing to make the game more entertaining for players of all skill levels. And I don't mean they should dumb the game down so that you know new players can win. What I mean is is that a good player is always going to punish Asuka back three. But doing so is really obnoxious for an intermediate level player, and unnecessarily so. Um, like, I, I feel like a move like that should be pretty easy to punish. Um, yeah. 
And it's only really a factor at an intermediate level of play. Yeah. And like, um, you have to be yeah. a fucking wizard if you're going to like consistently check in and stuff like online. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's when it gets pretty hard though. It gets really tough to do that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. If they, could, if they could do that, if they could focus a little bit more on the intermediate side of things, um, that would be great. I think they did that a little bit with Katarina. Um, by by nerfing her, I think because she was clearly a, a character that didn't really struck uh, uh, cause issue for the top top players, but they she caused issues for the intermediate and the low players. The low yeah, players. yeah. I just it just didn't make sense to me that they also nerfed her down forward one and other stuff. Also well. nerfed her down forward one. Tried to buff yeah. the stance, but didn't actually buff the stance in a way that mattered. You know all these things. You're so right. Yeah. Uh, it's like okay, yeah, you, so made, it, you made you made her safe, yeah. but you didn't give her a load to mix the four with. Uh, so yeah, it's a very good point. Like people were upset online about Katarina, so we fuck her in the ass. Uh, but but they didn't throw a bone to the people who actually like the character. It's almost like Namco, mm-hmm. like we made Eliza, we made Katarina, we made Gigas. Check him out, and then everybody's like, we don't like him. And then they go, well, like fuck you then. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, and they just go like, "We're yeah, we agree." They're just joining in, fucking stepping on them in the yard. Yeah, fuck you guys, fuck yeah, you know. Uh, I mean, I think um, we we talked about a bit about this last time, but uh, Gigas is a character. I feel like they've trying to kind of push to the wayside, and they just don't want to risk making that character good, um, because not enough people play him really. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, people won't complain that much. I mean, people will complain a lot if Gigas is, because he's very easy to play. But if it play. becomes good he's, enough he's... that like a Gigas player like wins a major tournament, the guy who does that brings Gigas to a tournament and wins, he's going to get like blow jobs for years. He's going to be like, people are going to like tattoo his name on their like arms and dicks and stuff. It's like, okay, for example, Evo Japan. It was the Julia player who made it all the way to grand finals against all these these Leroy's. As far as I'm concerned, he's the winner because everybody loves that guy. He's super dope. He's the reason, you know, the grand finals were still worth watching. He made it really, really like far. He made it interesting against that Leroy. And then he lost to the most like unga bunga move in the game, the one-one. String the jab string, yeah. mm-hmm. but I mean, people are talking about like how this final, like Aris was saying on his stream, this was interesting because we had this villain in the shape of Leroy. I think they're wrong. I think it was interesting because it's the first time we've seen a Julia player make it that far, and he was using the outfit, the in, like the American Indian outfit from the old uh, Tekken games, and it was like this super cool like Tekken character that we don't see represented. But if that hadn't been Julia versus Leroy, if it had been like Julia versus like Mina or Anna or another character you don't see, it would have been even even cooler and even doper. Um, so yeah, I mean, f- fuck, it would be so cool if they just gave some of these characters enough space that they could at least show up uh, at the bleeding edge of the competitive scene. I mean, how many Miguel's have you seen in top eight? Yeah. Miguel is a character that I could see if if you know if you if you gave him some buffs. I would like I would like to see Miguel in in tournament as a stronger character. I'd like to see Lars get buffed as well. I want to see more of him. We just never see him, so it would be so cool because he's uh, he's got great combos. He's entertaining to watch. Um, but I get what you're saying, Arya, about about Gigas. 
I think, you know, they don't want to risk making him good because yeah. he is such an easy character. He has yeah. that crazy fucking long ass jab. His down oh, yeah. two is His so while standing one like, is high crushes. Yeah. He's yeah. easy. Like yeah. it's like it's like Dino was saying last time. He's not good, but he's cheap. And there's a difference yeah, there. Yeah. And if you make a character like that good, then people will complain and, and, and for good reason. So I think they're being very cautious with Gigas and yeah, I guess it's a bit uninspired, but he's 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 clearly not a popular character, so they don't want to spend too much. They don't they don't really want to rack their brains when it comes to reinventing the wheel with Gig with Gigas. Um, yeah, yeah. How do you feel about like Eddie Spy? Because that's a character where I think I mean Eris said the same thing. They intentionally keep keep him a little bit weak because if a character like Eddie was seriously strong, then people would be so upset. Yeah, I th- I think you're right, man. I think that is the reason why they've um, why they've kept him not so weak because you look at how strong he was in tag two. I mean, they they just people don't want any part of that anymore. And me as an Eddie player, uh, you know, I think Inhies, who is an Italian Eddie player, he he said it correct. He just feels like Eddie got bullied into 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 nerfs, but no one's gonna feel sorry for them. <laughs> no one's gonna feel sorry for an Eddie player. Ah, oh, you know, um, and 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 empathize. You know, Eddie was cheap in tag two, and I feel like he was definitely gonna get nerfed, and he did. But I, I just feel like he doesn't. I think it's good. I think he's good, but he, he's, he struggles, man. I think, I think he's, he does struggle. I think not having a tracking downfall. They, they, there's still some things they could do to him to not make him like obnoxious against intermediate players, yeah. but better at high level because that's the thing. You know, you, you distinguish between the two: intermediate, high level. Don't make him obnoxious versus the versus the intermediates. Uh, but mm. make him a bit better at high level, man. Give him yeah. give him a down four two, you know, that tracks, you know, it doesn't track at all. It used to, you know, that was his main tool. Down four two for Eddie was his main tool. It was it used to be 14 frame, but it tracked and that it was a move that I used to beat people who I knew were gonna step. And sometimes I still use it even when I know that it's not gonna work as a as, it's got the tracking of a jab. It's really bad now. Um, and it's one yeah. thing that John Ding's been asking for 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 past few years and it just they haven't been they're just not willing to do it um i think if they buff him to make him a bit better at high level while not making his strings better so that he's gonna body all the loads and all the noobs and the intermediates i think that would be a great change for him but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ask for it you know i understand why eddie is not do you do you feel like strong. he's also like very matchup dependent um i personally do i i mean uh, you look at someone like spirogen he doesn't give a shit he'll play eddie against everyone uh, even, but I feel like if I ever play against an Anna player, if I ever play against, you know, even Astaka, um, it, it's it's or, or Noctis for example. Noctis is Eddie's worst matchup. I, I'd say yeah. I would, I would, I personally would not play Eddie in those. But someone like Spiro would would just go and 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 play. And John Ding would uh, do it as well. He doesn't give a shit. I, and it's you, you can win because Eddie's very high risk, high reward. Um, and yeah. in those in the first of two, any character can win. He has he has exact same problem as as Oscar and that he's he's quite um, obnoxious and intermediate, but doesn't yeah. yeah at a high level play he's you know he's lacking some certain fundamental tools. I think with Oscar there's uh, there's one simple change you could do to make the character both weaker at an intermediate level of play and much stronger at a high level of play, and that's remove <laughs> sidestep two, um, because that move actually prevents you from doing sidestep two three. To punish, to, to sidestep punish, because sidestep two comes mm. out. Um, but sidestep two is also a really, really like the fact that it's also not punishable 
is really, really kind of abusable, especially at an intermediate level of play. So if that move was literally just removed, she'd become both more viable as a competitive character and less obnoxious for people learning the game. Or they can make one three natural combo. Yeah. You know, as a, they, that then gives her a 10 frame and it gives her um, something that she can do from, from sidestep. Um, but yeah, the, I, think, I feel like the reason why Asuka isn't the best at high levels is because of her tracking, personally. Yeah. I feel like um, uh, sidestep right beats Asuka, uh, beats a lot of her main moves. Um, and you, you see JDCR, he's perfect. When you watch JDCR in the Asuka matchup, that guy. <laughs> Um, sidestep right duck and he'll beat the forward four homing move because it's a high he'll beat the down forward one and he'll beat the down back three beats so many options and just do sidestep right duck so uh, tracking is definitely an issue um, but you're right as well not being able to get um, damage on the quick on the quick recovery whiff is, yeah. is definitely something she struggles with yeah yeah she struggles at um, you know compact tech end um uh, people in the chat are saying, I, I want to buff Steve's down forward two, but remove Asuka's sidestep two. I don't think they should buff Steve's <clears> down forward two. In fact, I would prefer if they if it resulted in a s- stun where you got like a free while standing one two. But what I'm saying is I, I don't th- think that... This is going back to the point about execution, is that I think good execution should be rewarded. But I think the second best option shouldn't be that far off. Because with Steve at the moment, you're getting like 40 damage if you go for the easy mode. But if you go for the ultra hard new season three combo, it's more damage plus the wall carry. And the wall carry is really important there. Um, I mean, I'm I'm okay with it, man. You look at season two, you look at Steve's down for two and how bloody stupid It was stupid. It was, was, it was stupid. It was character. stupid. It was stupid. Yeah. Um, and I agree. And I'm, it should, I'm okay with him just getting a forward forward two after down forward two on counter hit. Yeah. I mean, that move is safe. It, you can go into stance. It's a homing move. It's mid. Um, that move giving you 40 damage on counter hit is, is, is more than good enough. Especially because some people will try to sidestep Steve to the left because it beats his, his back one and down forward one. Um, so, you know, down forward down forward two, just giving you a forward forward it, two is good. And if you have that insane execution to get the combo, then fair play to you, man. So I think it's, in a, I think it's an all right position at the moment. I, for me, it's, it's more the topic of should, how much should execution reward you? Um, and, I, and I think that you know, basically the best option with Steve and the second option, that there's too much of a gap in there. Because now if you want to play Steve at a high level, it basically demands that you grind a shit ton to get this this down forward two down, um, which you know I'm I'm not a huge fan of personally. Um, I would prefer that they yeah. they, they kind of normalized it and made, uh, you know, so you can get a bit more damage if you pull off the extra hard combo, but it's not totally like a game changer. Like you don't get the the wall carry or whatever. I wouldn't mind a straight up nerf to down forward <clears throat> two if it helped normalize, but it's more on the how yeah. much should execution be rewarded factor. Yeah, but I think that the, the getting the forward forward two on it anyway, as an as an easy option, is still is still really good. I think it's really good for Steve, and yeah. and as a Steve player, they'd they'd be quite happy to take that. Um, mm. But there are players. It's crazy. There's a player in Pakistan. His name is Noman Noman Chaudhry, and he got top eight in uh, Tackle Cup. Mm. He he cons- he doesn't drop that combo, man. It's, it's yeah, insane. Yeah. The guy yeah. always hits that combo, man. So it's it's doable. I mean, and I know you said it's. It's something you got to grind, and is it fair to have to grind it? But you know, it's. Mm. I think the down four two combo 
as a move down for two to get a combo from that is stupid in my opinion yeah so yeah, in order yeah. to get that stupid uh in, a, <laughs> in order to get a combo you should also be able to have to do something stupid which is grind <laughs> that yeah, I, I don't fun. think I don't think too stupid to make a right though. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows, man? Yeah, season yeah. three, man. Yeah, yeah. I I can see it either way, but again, I would prefer if you just got like mm. a while standing one two, like a stun that just gave him a free while standing one two, and it wasn't like a crazy executional thing. Um, mm. yeah. Anyway, um, guys, we've been at this for like two hours now. Um, is there are there any more top are there any more topics you wanna you wanna give a stab at or should we wind things? Would you up? would you ban Kakoma if he was doing lucky uh, Chloe cosplay at the time? No, <laughs> I wouldn't. I per- I personally wouldn't. Okay, but I know I know that there's a lot of people in FGC that would fuck him because because Fergus did a very 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 bad lucky Chloe cosplay on his stream. And there were people in his chat who were like, fuck, I, I would fuck him. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? Seriously? So, Kokora, 100%, there'll be plenty of people that'll be like, fuck it. You know, I'll fuck him. So, I, but I personally would have, not my cup of tea, but, you know. Just wanted I, to know where <laughs> you guys stand on that, you know, before we wrap this up. What about up. you, mate? Um, I mean, I, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, did I? Did I? Did, 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 you, did you guys know about? Should, should I say it? Nah, I probably shouldn't. Go ahead. Well, now, now you have to say it. <laughs> you should can't... I say it? Should I say it? This is that. This is that inside knowledge, boy. That inside nope. tournament. You know. Should I say it? Fuck it. I'm gonna say it, man. You know, Super mm. Kuma told me yeah, mm. that. Um. So he was in Japan, and he was going. Uh. They they go to these baths right in Japan where you just walk around and you know. He goes out, yeah. He, he saw he saw Kokomo. He goes, he's he's doing well for himself down, downstairs. Yeah, that that is um, yeah. Inside knowledge. Inside knowledge. <laughs> Inside knowledge, boy. Now I don't know what what Super Kuma would 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 define as doing well. So I'm a bit skeptical, but you know that's what the man said. Don't take it. Don't you know, go go ask him. Doing well as in, oh, he means that he, 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 it was easy to pick up women in Japan because he's a foreigner. Is that the point? Nah, not, not really, but you can watch it back and maybe you'll, you'll understand. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you this about Japanese women. It's Valentine's Day. Love yeah. in the hair, yeah? Love is what? Love is in the hair. They don't shave, dude. Anywhere. They don't shave. Anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. They don't have any hair as, as, you know, except for certain places, but they have a lot where they do. And so it's like sometimes uh-huh. you'll be doing your thing and you'll go home and you'll have like a like a bit of floss stuck between your teeth and you can actually fucking floss with it before you get it out. <laughs> you... Oh my gosh. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I love you, I, so that is like if you're into that, if you're into that, coming over here and stuff. But yeah, frame speaking Guys, from wanna, from recent wanna, experience. Cross your teeth with the Japanese girls' pubes. Um, come over to Japan, man. Get yourself get, get yourself over, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should I should work work for the Japanese tourist board, dude. I think you're gonna get a lot of people in the chat coming to Japan soon. 
I think what? you're going to be responsible for the increase of tourism. Fuck See, the Olympics. Olymp- People are going to come for the. They're going to come to Florida. Fuck the Olympics, dude. This is like the most Fuck crowded the place on the face of the earth. Way too many people. You can't get on a train. It's a fucking nightmare. And they're going to have like the most crowded event like that happens on the face of the earth in Tokyo. Like you can't walk in Tokyo right now for all the human flesh. That is just everywhere. So, like, when that starts happening this year, I'm just going to, I'm like, me and Arya, we're down here on the South Island. We're just going to, like, fucking build a wall to keep the Olympics out. Tokyo is pretty insane, but it's actually not as bad as Beijing. Uh, Beijing is just people. Every, everywhere you look, you're just running into someone. Yeah. Um, um, like, ru- but, like, rush hour is fucking uh, it's a nightmare, dude. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, Tokyo. We is... thought that's what how it was going to be with London. We thought London was going to be crazy because the Olympics in 2012. But it, it was it was more crowded, but it wasn't too bad. I mean, London's quite like, quite quite populated as well. But no, I guess nowhere near is Tokyo. I really Tokyo miss the there. UK lately. I'm like thinking maybe I should move back. It was pretty cool. I really like. Ara, do you miss the UK at all? Come man, I, I do. I do. Come, I was come actually to London, son. I've I've been dope, dude. I've been thinking for. I, if I came uh, back to the UK, I I, I was actually thinking about moving back and getting like a little place in brighton actually like uh in brighton and next, next to the sea because i, you I know, thought you were gonna say like the cotswolds or something like that, you that know, like, something like that somewhere like remote and just just peaceful and you know um where the rent isn't ridiculous i would i would go to london but just L- london property price is just yeah. insane so it's it's, it's just yeah it's true it's true and the food, man. I mean, the best part of living in the UK was the Indian food and the Pakistani food, man. Absolutely. I, you know, when people give British food a bad rep, I'm just like, have you been to England? Well, it's like Bro. the actual indigenous British food. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I, you know, a Sunday roast uh, with sauce, I'm super down. But like the, like the international food in, in England was the best part. Yeah, it's a melting pot, man. The UK has got all yeah. sorts of yeah. cool stuff. You got you go to London, you'll get any food that you want. And yeah, uh, like anytime these people come for versus fighting in Birmingham. Now yeah. Birmingham, now there's so many Pakistanis here, so many Indian Pakistanis. So the like, yeah, you know, Tishimon called it mini Pakistan. I took him yeah. to my area in, in Birmingham. He called it mini Pakistan. And we we always go every every year versus fighting. Uh, yeah. We go to to a Pakistani restaurant, really fucking good one. You know, yeah. JDCR went there and these other guys, and they're like, you know, we we want to come back here. So they came back the next day to the same restaurant. So, I mean, the food you get in the UK, man, it's really good. Man. If you know where to go, if you know people, like Look, the dim sum, it was like ridiculous. The Chinese food you get in Brighton as well is crazy. Well, Turkish yeah. kebabs, like right next to my place that were like, you know, world class. For sure. For sure. Like, mm. like London, you know, you, you can find the, the best cuisine from all over the world. But the, 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 the problem is it always comes with a, with a price tag. A heftier price tag. I mean, you can get great Japanese food, great Indian food, great, you know, whatever food, uh, Caribbean food in London, but it's always a pricey. It's yeah. Always pricey. Yeah, that's true. It's true, true. You pay for quality, though, man. It's, yeah. It's got good quality. You do. Except for the rent where you pay, like, you know, your entire salary, a shitty basement flat, but. <laughs> that's true. I really enjoyed this, guys. I really enjoyed talking to you. This was fun. It was like, I don't know. I thought it was going to be like more Valentine's. I just want to say it before we wrap it up. I mean, a lot of people are watching like Twitch right now on Valentine's. They obviously don't have a date. And so 
that's why I wanted to do this because I, I reckon a lot of people out there might be having like a little bit of a bum day playing video games and watching streams and stuff. And I just want to let you know that loads of love to to everybody and and thank you for always showing up for this podcast it's always a lot of fun yeah it's a pleasure people it's yeah. it's yeah it's been it's been such a blast chatting with you spag um i hope you can yeah, join you us too, again man. sometime Thanks for having me on man of yeah. course of course i'd love to be back on my and dude if you get to korea like come over me and aria basically live in the same area we have a good offline scene yeah yeah, like um, for for, for both of us, man. yeah, yeah, for both yeah, of us, um, Korea, Seoul is closer to us than Tokyo. It's literally like an hour's flight. We can so, basically swim. I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I know because I went to Seoul and um, it was like maybe thirty quid to go to Fukuoka from from Seoul. It's so close. Yeah. Uh, so that's my plan. My plan is just to go to Seoul and and you know chill there for a bit, go to Busan, maybe see CBM, and then just head down to Fukuoka from there, man. So. Yeah, I'm Fuku- definitely going to hit you guys up, man. It'll be my first time in Japan. Fukuoka's a Dude, nice man. place. Fukuoka's a nice place. And <laughs> on the topic of pube floss, um, like there is uh-huh. this fr- <laughs> there is this, this phrase called um, Hakata Bijin, um, which which means like the other name for Fukuoka is uh, Hakata. Um, and I'm not sure about the history about that, but basically the, the most beautiful women in, in Japan. There used to be two to... cities on opposite sides of the river, Fukuoka and Hakata. Fukuoka is where that. the castle and like the nobility lived in Hakata with workers' quarters. But now it's merged into one city. I actually live right. on the Hakata side. So right. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. okay. But that's well, like that's, Hakata Bijin. It's like we have the of, most beautiful women in all of Japan live in this city. It's true. It's absolutely it's true. true. Yeah, yeah. When you go there, it's just ridiculous. You walk down the street and it's just stunner after stunner. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Just cube cool. floss everywhere, bro. If that's <laughs> what you're into. So hey, yeah, man. You know, I think can't this, is, you try it. Yeah. this this is going to be the um when I put this on YouTube, this is going to be the, the title like Wave Dash 06. <laughs> it might be the first <laughs> ever Wave Dash. Nope. Yeah, and then when I when I when I when I tick all the buns, like is this is this content appropriate for children? Dude, this is yes. hilarious. My girlfriend is messaging me right now. Oh, is, she, the is, is she pissed? Hey Maruka, I miss you, babe. I'm gonna call you when this is over. Can't believe you're still awake. It's Three a.m. Maruka, is that is that her name? I shouldn't have said it. That's awkward. Mm. But yeah, she'll be very oh, happy. There, there, there are tons of metal because that's um, yeah. common it's name. Good. It's all good. All, good. all right, guys. Awesome, thanks so much for tuning in, chat. It's been an absolute pleasure. Spag, it's been great having you here. Good luck in the tournament, dude. Frame, always yes, a pleasure. Yes. And yeah, have a gr- have a great time. Have a great time. All right, peace.